Morning Project Presents. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. Our fans should make it habit to download and save all of our shows as one never knows when the Radio.Morning Project Network will be no more due to newer tech and cloud computing. Today, Molly and I will discuss physical versus digital elements. Yet again, PlayStation 3, Vita, and PlayStation Portable stores, or lack thereof, selling off more of our drugs, and buying again, and much more on episode 45 of GVGP. Welcome back, everyone. So, I'm going to throw a huge wrench in the gears, and that's not the saying, but I, as, as I was saying the saying, I forgot the saying. Because、um, uh, there was something I wanted to talk to you about last week,、uh, and I, I figured this is a good way to start the show so that we can get past it and get onto the game stuff.、Um, but it, it, makes, it makes more sense to talk about it now, and I'll explain why in a second.、Um, so, I think everybody listening. Has, has gotten like really sick at least once in their lives. You know, I'm not talking about like I got a cold or I've got a headache or, you know, got my, t- my tummy hurts or anything like that. I mean, like, you get a really good case of the flu, you get pneumonia, you get like food poisoning. So, so Anthony, have you gone through at least one of those at some point in your life?、Uh, yes, I don't like talking about it because it's very rare. But yes, I think the last time I got very sick was January of 2015, 16. This reminds me of like the, the, the Seinfeld where like <laughs> Gary knows the, the exact second like when he last threw up. You know, you're, you're like. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that I'd gotten, and like I said, it's very rare because I live like a hermit and I wash my hands a thousand times a day. This is all pre COVID. Right. And、um, I live like Count Dracula. I keep things dim and dark. But I just, it was one of those things I'd gotten sick. And the two things I hate arguably the most in life are coughing and vomiting. Vomiting, I do very rarely. I mean, rare. And this was a really bad cough. And I have to tell you, I'd never really felt like this before, but the cough was so bad for about a solid week. That I actually had to contemplate do I need to go to a doctor or because <laughs> I, th- no, it was so bad that you hear stories that someone can break a rib from excessive right, coughing. Right, right. And I was right at the brink of that. And I got to tell you,、um, maybe it was a higher power, right as it got to the point where I'm like, okay, like I really need to do something about this, I started to finally get better. It, it's just, it's, it's sad though that we have to say, like, all right, I was almost dying. I was going to finally go to the doctor, you know? Yeah, it was, it like, was very bad. I mean, my, my wife being from Japan, she's like, the drop of a hat should be, let's go to the doctor. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, this is America. You can't just do that. You don't understand the costs. <laughs> right.、Um, okay.、Uh, and, and by the way, the, the worst, I've had food poisoning a few times,、uh, once from Jack in the Box.、Um, The absolute worst was the, the New Year's Eve of 2019. Myself, my wife, and our two children all got food poisoning in the exact、wow. same night. 
and that was horror. But okay. when was that? I'm so sorry. What uh, year? New Year's Eve of 2019. Wow. So going into 2020. Um, okay. So the the point I want to make though is that is that all of us at some point have been sick, and when you're sick, your brain tells you, "All right, you're going to get better." Right? It's it, this might last for hours. It might last for days, maybe even a week. You're going to just get through it, or you're going to go to the doctor and get medication and get over it. You're going to do this. You're going to get that. Something's going to happen. You're going to get back to your life. You're going to get well again. Like, your brain knows that. But I'm curious if you feel this, like, emotionally and, and, and like, partially mentally, but more emotionally, there's a point you reach, I think, where you feel like you're never going to get well again. Like there's just this mental thing where you're, where you cannot imagine not being sick. Does that, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you're saying it's a mental thing, you know, maybe hitting the threshold, the lowest point, uh, because your body, your judgment's gone. You're feeling sick. Um, you can't sleep, right? All these things coming together, clouding your judgment. Yeah. And you almost, you almost can't remember not being sick like mm-hmm. like you don't remember being able to just eat anything and and having things right. taste good and and not throwing up and not having a fever and not having chills and not having to take all this medication so the reason i'm saying this is i think that's the same for covid in a way and and i wanted to get your opinion on this because i've really been feeling lately like I I kind of on some level can't imagine a world without COVID now. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you were going there. And no, uh, just for clarity, uh, and uh, you're not saying that you have it, but you're saying no, no, no the yeah, general yeah, no, 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 yeah. knock on wood. Thank yes. God. The because general I mean, notion of it's overtaken our lives twenty four seven three sixty five for one plus years that you we're not seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. You can't imagine life without turning on the radio, a conversation. Even this show so far has mentioned it. It, it just won't go away. I mean, because like I, I literally last week got my first vaccine shot, and mm-hmm. I'm getting my my next one two weeks. You know, in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. I sit here thinking about like, okay, we're going to go back to the movies, right? And part of me says like, no, that's never happening. You know, like I can't right now, my, my brain tells me people are getting vaccinated. Not everybody, they should, but not everybody, but people are getting vaccinated. It's going to go down. Things are going to get safer. Things are going to get back to normal, not as fast as we would like, but they are going to get there. But there's like a part of me that's like, I can't imagine going to a restaurant, walking in without a mask, just sitting down and eating. Mm, I can't imagine going to a movie theater and just sitting next to to people I don't know (laughs) and watching a Uh, movie. Like, I can't, I cannot actually imagine these things at this point. Well, I don't want you to. Uh, I'm going to make this political here, so I'm going to end with some comedy. So I don't want you to think I've switched red and voted red. But uh, about two hours ago, I sat down at Chipotle by myself. <laughs> <laughs> now I, 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 I would admit, I will admit we have, um, we we 
we have eaten at a Chinese restaurant and we have eaten at a Burger King. And but uh-huh. both those times were recently and both those times were we we specifically went when there was nobody else mm. in there at the time. Mm. I, I don't I don't know your situation, but I'll say for for our side that that's I I haven't been. done anything extreme. Okay, since we're on this topic, I'm just going to talk freely here and st- I'm going to talk how I talk. I'm not going to use my foul language though. So, okay. I have a lot of feelings. This is obviously serious. We should be taking it seriously. We, I wear my mask every chance I can. I wear gloves. I wear gloves before COVID. Not, not to the extreme of rubber gloves, but I wear these leather gloves I have on a regular basis, not only due to weather, but sometimes when I'm driving. Uh, people are dirty. Yes. People are, let's, get the, let's just shoot this straight. This is how I feel. No, this is nobody else's opinion but mine. People are filthy. People are dirty. They're disgusting. Ninety-five uh, percent of them. Uh, you know, you go into public restrooms. Uh, I can't. You know, you listen. I don't. I don't like touching. I'll, I'll use a paper towel. I don't like touching anything with my hand. And then the worst is when people come out of there. You can hear that they don't wash their hands. We're just laying the foundation right. here. So you know, if you, and if you let that get to you too much in life, you, you're never going to do anything. I mean, you can't do much less than I do. So. Um, with that said, something that didn't bother me at the start of this that is starting to bother me now is, so people would say this on the other side of the coin, we're going to call it, and I thought that, I'm like, come on, they're looking for excuses, they're not looking at this the right way, okay. Restaurants, the few that are open, you do socially distance. Mm-hmm. You do get to take your, you know, it's they're, they're counting, so to speak. It's uh, everything I've seen is under the guidelines. Uh, gyms are still limited, you know, X amount of people on site. It's as a matter of fact, some of the gym numbers are so low, not that I've been going, that it's, it's almost, it's pointless. Where am I leading with all this? A place that I didn't have any fear, even at the start of COVID, that I have got to tell you right now, and I still go, the grocery store. Hmm. Oh, and the mall. Excuse me. And people have to keep this context in mind because a lot of people are probably in areas where it's like their malls are dead. The shopping scene's not the same. And yes, the shopping scene over here is affected. But I live by a major mall. And I got to tell you. I was in there last Sunday afternoon for about an hour, uh, for a half hour. It was packed. <laughs> the local uh, grocery store, I won't use their name because it is a hoity-toity, ritzy uh, grocer in town, a natural, organic-type grocer. And I got to tell you, last spring and summer, there were the lines outside. It looked like 1980s Russia. Everything was getting counted. You had to be a certain amount of feet apart. Right. Right now, you go in there right now, you go into the other lesser grocer right across the street, doesn't matter. It's not the hoity-toity one. It's packed. It's packed. I mean, I hate to to turn the tide. I hate to sound like I'm jumping on the other side, but I'm not. But it's like... How can you have all these restrictions in place for the movie theater, 
restaurants. And I actually felt the most fearful the whole time during the pandemic so far at my local grocer. I'm not kidding. Yeah, I can, I can kind of understand that. It's yeah. been, uh, I'm going to tell you know what? Because I'll probably be stupid enough to be there in the coming weeks. I'll take photos. I'll take photos, fo- especially at the mall, because I can get on the escalator or higher, higher elevation. You won't believe it. And See, we- I'm not in Arizona and I'm not in Florida. We we have not stepped foot into to the mall like since it started. Um, but you know what's funny is you're, you're talking about this. Um, I'll tell you one place, and and you're right. Like it's it's funny how I don't think giving up is the right words, but um, well, uh, the, oh, the, and, I'll say, the, and I'll shut up. I'll say this because you said it. I will say this. That I'm being a pig. Things are loosening up. Right. People are, they're, uh, you know, trying to get back to normal. This is what it's like. I'm going to use a, a football analogy. You can use a running analogy. We're at first and goal. The vaccines are rolling out. We've made it this far. We've done all the social distancing. It's first line and goal. We're getting ready to score a touchdown and put an end to the game. But we haven't done everything we need to quite yet. And we're, we're celebrating. Before we've spiked the ball in the end zone, yeah. we're right there, and we're getting ready to fumble with this fourth wave coming. It's like everybody's acting like normal, and yes, vaccine is is out there. Many people are getting it, but there's still at least a couple hundred million people that still need to get it. Right, and it's everyone's acting like okay. The yeah, the vaccine is. It's like saying. PlayStation 5 is out. How many people have one? So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I'll let you say your piece. I oh, no, it's, it's, it's funny that um, I went to Apple uh, th- this week. Anthony and I are talking about Apple stuff before the show started. Um, and you can't just walk in there. Like, they have the doors closed. They have lines outside. You still have to go in that way. And what's funny is, is when all the other stores were opening, and they were doing the initial steps of, like you said, having lines outside and things like that. Like, Apple was still closed. And at this point, you, you can't just go outside. Like, you have to have an appointment or you, you have to get in line to then you go inside and, and you're given a rep to talk to. Like, I know, like, Best Buy for a while was still like that, too, which was interesting. It was kind of like, I went to Best Buy a couple of times when we were moving in and you had to... You had to get in the line and then tell them what you wanted to go look at. And then they would have somebody come find you in the store. And then you would work with them. And then when you were done, you kind of left. Um, and this is in, uh, not to give your location away. <laughs> no, it's fine. This is yeah. in Nebraska? Yes, Omaha, Nebraska, yeah. Well, yeah, so, so yeah, our, so our, our local Apple store right now is very hardcore. And they're like, they're, I think, the only store I can think of that actually is still doing that kind of thing to get in. Um, but I mean, I'm not even saying like, just, are we going to open again? Cause we obviously are. It's just like, it's just been funny for me how I can't like comprehend doing the things we used to do. You know, even if, even if you told me every single person in the world now has a vaccine, it's COVID's gone forever, never coming back. Like, it's so weird to think about 
I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go to the restaurant and just sit down and not think about it. I'm going to go to the movie theater and just not think about it. I'm going to go to arcade and touch all the machines and not think about it. You know, like there's like just all these things that we used to take for granted that now seem so alien to society, at least to me. And I say that to me, like, that's what I was saying, the sick stuff. It's like, it's like when you're sick. Like, when you're sick, you can't imagine not being sick. And we're still at the point of being in this where I can't imagine our lives not being this. And I'm really curious what our lives are after this. But it's just, like, I would love to go back to theaters again, but I, I just can't imagine doing that. Like, not now. Um, not like I can go and I cannot go. It's just like, I can't even think about that existing still. Because it's just, it's just so foreign to how I feel right now. Just like when I'm sick, I can't imagine ever not being sick. So it's been, it's been weird. Like, and it's been weird to think about, especially now getting the vaccines. Like, I'm still not in that stage where I'm like, oh yeah, in Five months will be back to normal, you know. It's just weird. I think it's just it's a weird feeling. I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, certain things I can imagine because uh, ignorant or not, I'm doing them already. But uh, under state guidelines, with a mask, socially distanced. So there's a few things you've touched base on that I've that I've been able to do. Mind you, more often than not. I like to do things early in the morning when nobody's out. That's how I am normally. Um, while, okay, at my complex, they have a small gym, and I would like to use that to use the treadmill. I had done that for a couple years. So of all the things we're discussing, do I see myself back at restaurants? Yes, I'm doing it right now, okay? Do I see myself back in theaters? Yes, probably not as much. It's got to be a big, mega, epic movie. What's kind of jacked that up for me isn't so much COVID. It's HBO Max. <laughs> so I watched Godzilla right. vs. Kong last week. I'm going to watch Mortal Kombat at the end of this week. An example of something that will go to HBO Max that I might do in theater. I'm saying this out loud, but watch. Once that Saturday comes, I'm not leaving. Dune in October mm. because that's going to be filmed in a way where it's for the big screen. But uh, you know, depending okay. on my mood, I'll tell you straight up what's going to happen. I'm going to sit on my sit on my couch by myself. So I'll tell you, the next Spider Man is is the one I want to go to a theater for. When is that coming? I don't know. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. But um, I'll have to with uh, how crazy that's going to be. So from rumors, like that's the one that I want to see mm. in theaters. But, but uh, oh, okay, but, but real quick, yeah. real quick, because yeah. I, I but, we, need, we need to actually talk about video games in our video game show. Yeah. Um, do, do, do you think when this is done, do Americans still wear masks or no? Like, do we completely stop wearing masks? Some, or, some. Or do they become part uh, of the culture? Some. I, uh, I'm going to just to throw a random number. Th- I say maybe 20% still do. Like, I, I would love to see us get to a point where... Maybe maybe everybody doesn't want to do it, but if people do do it, it's it's not weird. Like that's what that's where I want you guys to get to. You want to hear something weird about me? I haven't had any issue wearing the mask so far this past year, and I don't know if it's frustration 
or fatigue. And mind you, I'm still wearing it. So what I'm about to say, I haven't done anything stupid. But I'd say maybe the last month, and I don't know why all of a sudden, I have become sick of wearing them. Oh, yeah. No, I am too. And, and I, and but I, but yeah. I, didn't ha- I didn't have that feeling, really. You know, I was mm-hmm. totally fine with it. And now I'm starting to get sick of it. I think part of it for me is the fact that we have then twins we have to put masks on as well. And, and there's part of it where it's just like, it's, it's, it's funny, because I think parents will understand this. It's different between like getting your kid out of the car in the winter versus summertime. In the winter, you mm-hmm. got to make sure the coat's on and make sure it's buttoned up and make sure they got their hat and their gloves and whatever else, and that you've got your coat on and everything, and that you're all ready to get out of the car. It's a, it's a procedure, whereas summertime, you just get them out of the car. You're not even thinking about it, you know? And so, like, I would love to be back to where I just get out of the car, we get our twins out of the car, and there's no masks or, and there's no, there's no uh, hand sanitizer when we get back in the car and things like that. So, yeah, no, I, I, I do feel that kind of, like, I want them to stay around, but I, I am kind of sick of them. And I, I would like to be back to where I could just go out without them. But again, I can't imagine that. Well, so and we'll I will see. say this to wrap this uh, note up and to bring it back to video games. I, I do remember to this day, I don't know why, in the late 80s, one of the few times I was very sick, I had the flu. I must have been in like the fourth grade, something like that. And... uh I remember being home with my dad and got a package in the mail, and we got a couple Commodore 64 games in the mail, and I vaguely remember playing Operation Wolf, and um, I think the other one might have been Red Baron, but I know we got Operation Wolf, and uh, anyway, it's weird how stuff like that sticks with you. I probably don't want to see what that version of Operation Wolf looks like right now, (laughs) but uh, yeah, so... But beyond that, where I actually thought you were headed to kind of segue into this, you know, you were talking about sickness and never seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and certain things not changing. I'm not kidding. I'm glad I didn't say this to ruin the whole segment. (laughs) I thought you were leading into people for decades being sick of Harmony Gold holding up the rights to Macross, Robotech, Mospita, uh, before I get into this, uh, to make myself sound smart, uh, because even though I am uh, uh, an anime otaku, I must admit, I'm going to confess, my knowledge of these series is limited, and so I'm going to do two things. Before I get into this, the first that I personally ever heard of this fiasco was from Johnny Millennium on YouTube, longtime YouTuber, uh, his video specifically on Harmony Gold. Uh, was done the summer of 2014, so one can look that up, Johnny Millennium. Uh, I will give credit on that for giving background, using that as a resource. And then what I'll do is I'm going to read an article, which was written by someone named Ollie Barter, uh, which I got, and I think it was from Forbes, but that at the very least was the writer. And it says, The decades-long rights battle over Macross... And Robotech has finally been resolved. And after I read this, I'm going to let Molly speak because I believe she's more of an expert on this uh, and has been, while I've been watching anime for over 30 years, uh, without giving a lady's age away, I think she's been, let's say, researching a bit longer. Researching a bit longer. So, a historian. So, 
Let's see, it says, In a pretty astonishing turn of events, both Big West and Harmony Gold have agreed to work together on the global distribution of the Macross and Robotech franchises. It says, This has been one of the longest-running legal battles in anime, and I never thought I would see it resolved in my lifetime. To put it simply, Robotech was built from three disparate mecha anime, Macross, Southern Cross, and Mospita. Tatsunoko Productions sold the rights to Harmony Gold, who then edited them together to create Robotech. Now, on a side note, I, I didn't know that. The yeah, yeah, yeah. With- it's 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 one of those kind of crazy things. It's like it's like Transformers, where you don't realize how many different pieces Transformers came from, right? Uh, whereas you don't realize how many different pieces Robotech came from. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, it says the issue was that in the case of Macross, Tatsunoko Productions was not the only owner of the property. The other party involved was a Japanese company called Big West that has, in the years since, funded the creation of new installments in the Macross saga. There have been many legal battles about this issue of incomplete rights ownership, but it looks like these have finally been worked out between Big West and Harmony Gold. While I thought this could be some kind of delayed April Fool's joke, both the original Macross and Robotech sites have press statements to confirm this, here and there, uh, respectively. Uh, this gentleman who wrote this article even checked with Shoji Kawamori's team, and they confirmed this was actually real as well. Considering that the bulk of the Macross saga has been landlocked to Japan, I am just glad that both the work of Shoji Kawamori and Kazutaka Miyatake will finally be made more widely available. As to the details of what this agreement entails, this is what the official press statement has to say. This is the final page. It says, Tokyo-based Big West Company Limited and Los Angeles-based Harmony Gold USA announced an agreement regarding the worldwide rights for the legendary Macross and Robotech franchises. This expansive agreement signed by both companies on March 1st, 2021 ends two decades of disagreements and will allow Big West and Harmony Gold to chart a new path that will unlock the great potential of both the Macross and Robotech franchises worldwide. The landmark agreement immediately permits worldwide distribution of most of the Macross films and television sequels worldwide, and also confirms that Big West will not oppose the Japanese release of an anticipated upcoming live-action Robotech film. The agreement also recognizes Harmony Gold's long-standing exclusive license with Tatsunoko for the use of the 41 Macross characters and mecha in the Robotech television series and related merchandise throughout the world, excluding Japan. Moving forward, both parties will cooperate on distribution regarding future Macross and Robotech projects for the benefit of both franchises, end quote. Regarding the details of what Macross installments will be given a wider release remains to be seen. Uh, He's also reached out to companies like Bandai Spirits to find out whether their extensive toy and model kit lines for Macross will be finally released globally. In any case, as a long-term fan of Macross, he can happily say that today's definitely a good day. And uh, with all that, my my last snarky comment will be, before I hand it over to Molly, will we ever get that uh, Robotech 64? Mm. So, Mm. 
Yeah, so what are your thoughts on that? It was pretty big. I mean, to bring in, uh, I love talking anime. Uh, we obviously usually focus on uh, gaming or whatever's on our mind, but uh, you felt this as well as something else we'll discuss momentarily was important enough. I, what are yeah, your thoughts on this? That's the thing. Is, is there's been two huge, huge announcements in the past month in terms of uh, classic anime stuff. And, and th- this, I mean, personally, this isn't the bigger one for me, but it is the bigger one in general. Because, yeah, this, you know... Macross is is a utter classic in anime. One one of the biggest classics, a, a totally influential series, um, and it's been just so stuck in this in this fight. And there's a, a Twitter user named Justin Savakis who's uh, at World of Crap on Twitter, um, <laughs> and he gave a really good breakdown of like what led to this. That I want to read um, over. And he says mm-hmm. uh, that this is a very simplified distillation of a lot of complicated legal arguments. Definitely missing some details, but here's what basically happened. Okay, so Harmony Gold, uh, and and it's funny because you've you've got for for people who haven't been around uh, just because you're young or you weren't into anime or whatever. Um, it's it's funny that I I feel like you can kind of break down like the early anime publishers in america as either these great companies who worked hard to bring stuff over and they're still renowned to this day or they're companies that people f and hate you know you've got harmony gold you've got streamline with carl masek you've got you know other people that that fans see as having ruined the industry somehow Mm. um so what happens is harmony gold Licensed Macross back in the day from Tatsunoko, uh, renewing that license several times. Big West did not sign off on that deal, but Tatsunoko, and Tatsunoko for anybody doesn't know is this huge company. They're, they do like, um, oh god, what are they called in America? Uh, the, the people who, uh, not Starblazers, oh my god. Um, they're the, they look like the bird, like bird outfits. Uh, oh, yeah, and I'm not trying to make a joke. They were in the Tatsunoko versus Capcom video game. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's like the cover guy against Ryu. God, why can't I think of them? Okay, anyway, but uh, but uh, uh, there's plenty of series that that that, that they're known for. Um, so so Big West did not sign off on the deal, but Tatsunoko said they had the gotcha full man. Gotcha man. There you go. Thank you. Um. To, to, to sell, Tatsunoko said they had full rights to sell the rights, so there were lawsuits. And the judge, a judge stated that Big West is the owner of Macross, but that didn't nullify any of the deals Tatsunoko did, including Harmony Golds. So, Big West continues to make Macross shows, like Macross Plus, Macross 7, Macross Zero, and so on. Harmony Gold falls derelict for a few years, doesn't renew the Macross trademarks. Manga Video, which I think Anthony may remember this, um, Manga Video steps in and takes advantage of that licensing uh, Macross Plus and Macross 2 during that time. Mm. Eventually, Manga gets swallowed up into stars and becomes a derelict brand. Harmony Gold tries to get various Robotech projects off the ground. They renew the Macross trademarks, eventually renewing the original agreement with Tatsunoko. Therefore, Harmony Gold owns the Macross trademarks, and they are due some measure of participation in any Macross usage. 
Big West, unsurprisingly, is still mad about this. They don't see Harmony Gold's deal as being legal, and they will not sign off on anything that involved them. So basically what happened is Harmony Gold had rights to the original Macross. They had no rights to everything past that. Yeah, this was like circa 1982 and 1985 in that bracket, correct? Yes. And I learned that from the Johnny Millennium right. video. So we're talking about that deal was made, uh, at, you know, over thir- three and a half decades ago. Right. Um, and, and to the point, and, and I, I don't remember the exact fight between this, but there was arguments like, for, for me, the biggest piece that I want out of this is, do you remember love? which is in the cross movie for the original series. Only like, one reason I know that, but you finish your point first. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Game Fan Magazine, because they yeah. import Saturn game. Yeah. And this is so weird. Did they not? And it looked horrible, by the way. Oh, I reviewed it. It was horrible. Oh, okay. No, well, that game kind of looked cool on the screenshots. But there was some sort of remaster I saw in the Switch shop. Yeah, there was something. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know what wow. it is. But I haven't looked at it yet. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so the the thing was is because Harmony Gold had the rights to that original Macross, they had rights to certain characters and the the Macross name in the West. I don't know if it's just North America or what, and certain aspects, and I think even certain vehicles. And Big West said, if you have to get involved. With us releasing this in the West, then F you, we're going to not have anything come out. It's kind of how it worked. And, and so there's been a lot of pieces of the series that we have had no access to because of this. To a point, this even says, like, um, one thing he says is Harmony Gold, in his words, only has dusty, faded old Macross 16mm prints. So... Big West wouldn't even give them any of like the HD remasters of this stuff. So anything Army Gold was still doing, they had to do off those original old lower quality uh, prints. So now, for example, Harmony Gold will have access to the new stuff. Um, yeah, this this is huge. I mean, this, this is there anything fans who know more about this these series than I. Is there anything we should be worried about with these two companies who have been fighting so long, having to now work together? And uh, isn't that kind of... Because before I read into this, uh, my whole thing, you know, before I read the article and refreshed my memory, I thought the big victory was going to be that Harmony Gold no longer had any like you see what I'm saying right I thought it was removed maybe from these parties and there was a new beginning but these still the 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 still the same individuals are still at play it sounds like I think part of the problem is we don't we don't have all of the details on these on these deals yet so we don't know exactly what it means I I think I think it's just a case of like Big West maybe swallowing their pride and saying, we, you know, even if we have to get these people involved and give them some money as part of the process, that will be better from across the series because then we can actually 
have it be a worldwide series. You got yeah. So you you hit the nail on the head because the first the, what it is now. You hit said the key word money. So someone sat down and figured out the money, and putting that aside, the numbers are probably there where it's like they both will benefit. It's yes. it's better than getting zero. I mean, it's For, because I think there was a point in time, and and you know, I know Anthony, you'll know this in certain ways. Is there was like okay. Um. Oh God, uh, Toho guy. Oh my Lord, I'm I'm just bad at names. Um, we're talking about who, like a real life individual. Yes, the, fa- the the guy who makes Toho. Is it, I, I'm, I'm so smart. Is it uh, Ichizo Kobayashi? <sighs> That's all from my memory. I mean, <laughs> it's he. Uh, what is his he name? was the founder of Zune. Uh, Junya Ota. Okay. That okay. might probably after him. You're pretty, okay. Yeah. That's probably more modern day. So every, every, every Toho game we get in the West is not a quote unquote real Toho game. Uh, because the, the way it's set up is, is he allows people to just make games based on his characters and, and his worlds. Oh, okay. And so they'll visually look the same, but the the story behind them and that's woven around the characters is is they're 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 they're, they're, they're fan games. They're fan wow. projects. So, wow. So every Toho game, I mean last I knew every Toho game we get in the West is a fan project. We have gotten none of the actual real Toho games. Um because he was just a person where I, I, I don't know the full story. I don't know if it's he doesn't want them out in the West. Uh if he doesn't if if he doesn't care enough, but he cares enough to not let them like James Cameron, right? Like we're still missing like the Abyss and True Lies and stuff on, on Blu-ray because he won't let them come out without his involvement, but he won't spend the time to get involved. What have they come out? Yeah. That's that's why a lot of James Cameron's movies are missing from Blu-ray. Um, so I don't know if it's that, that kind of thing, but but whatever it is, is like, we don't get Toho in the West because Zune doesn't want them coming to the West, for whatever his reasons may be. So I don't know if before Big West's opinion was, we don't need the West. All we need is Japan, you know? And there have been companies like that, that... Game-wise, especially, we've known companies who have never cared about if their games go west or not, and you just can't do that anymore because Japan's not a big enough market, and the rest of the world is too big of a market. So I think this might be the case where Big West just decided we're, we're doing ourselves more harm than good by keeping this feud going. Right. So if we get past it and just just you know let it happen, even if we have to involve these these stupid gaijin in the process, um, <laughs> it's better for us at the end of the day. Mm. So, wow. Well, are you excited? Are you uh, looking to pick up any of the releases whenever they? Like I said, I, I I want I want. Do you remember love? Now, movie. why do you say that? Is that because it was a great entry in the series? Uh, what? It's, what's it's, the? It's it's part just because like it's 
Um, do, do you know much about Urusayatsura, the Lum, Lum series? Are you... Did we talk about this recently? You have mm, interesting timing. Maybe no, maybe, maybe So not. this is weird. Uh, this is going to sound made up, so we didn't talk about this. Uh, I bought a couple classic anime on Blu-ray recently, and what got me going down this road is I watched some uh, discotheque streams. And not bragging, but I have a decent uh, anime collection on Blu-ray. And, you know, as we know, certain stuff goes out of print. There's limited numbers. So I, I started looking on my Amazon wish list. And one of the things I picked up, I picked up Perfect Blue. I'm sticking this plug in here oh, real I quick. Need, I, I need to get that. I, really I got to I gotta say something really quick, and I'll, I'll remember what we're talking about here. I saw Perfect Blue in the late 90s uh, on, I believe, VHS. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I saw it, and I thought it was okay. You know? Uh, I didn't think it was bad. Um, I know it was critically acclaimed, but I don't have any memories of it, like, where I got to buy this ten times and watch it over and over. And after reading what it's become over the years, I'm like, I'm like I got to see this again. And... They released it two years ago on Blu-ray, and I believe it sold out immediately, and it was tough to get. And I had um, Anyway, it was just the right time. I was in a weird mood. So I bought Perfect Blue, and I watched it a couple weeks ago at home for the first time in over 20 years. Now, this goes without saying. Looks way better than what I remember on that VHS. And I'm not kidding you when I say this. I'm not paid to say this. I haven't talked to anyone else about this. It might be one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. It's good. I I watched. Um, there's a whole making of on it. Uh, there's a a lecture series on there with uh, Satoshi Kon, and I'm very guilty to say this. I knew this and I forgot. I completely forgot he died. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Perfect Blue. Um, I certainly feel it's a mature piece. And my perspective on it is completely different than when I was like 16, 17. And for any anime collectors out there, uh, go buy it. That said, why am I bringing all this up? Another anime Blu-ray I bought, because I'm a big fan of Memoru Oshi, and I know this may be a bad start for Molly because I know this is heralded as, to many Urusei Yatsura purists, not... Uh, I think it's become critically acclaimed as time has gone on, but at the time, hardcore fans were very upset at the direction of this movie. I bought Udusei Yatsura 2, Beautiful Dreamer, and I watched that just last week. You're falling into my trap, Anthony. You're falling into my trap. Because <laughs> that's exactly where I was going with this. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> this is weird because I don't think we didn't really I don't talk think we about did. it. Yes, no, I don't think we did. So, okay, and and you said the perfect things to lead into this because I was going to say with Urusei uh, Yatsura, you have the second movie, Beautiful Dreamer. Yeah. Uh, with Dirty Pair, you have the movie Project Eden. With Tenchi Muyo, you have like Tenchi and Love. Um, there, there's these, there's these different anime series where even if you might not know the series or might not be a huge fan there are at times certain movies that end up standing out from from everything else and kind of becoming their own thing 
and and kind of almost standing on their own where like you're saying right here you might not watch the entire series but you might watch beautiful dreamer Mm -hmm. because for whatever reason that was a movie that just grabbed you and you didn't need to be a a fan of lum to like it you just needed to be a fan of anime and storylines and stuff um so i mean i'm a robot i'm a robotech i'm a macross (laughs) fan (laughs) i i I need i should be punished for saying that uh but like do you remember love is kind of almost a a mythical movie in a way just because it was this weird and and kind of more mature and kind of standalone thing that even like non-macross fans would get into but then we we never properly had it i don't think in america i don't know if it ever came out in any way on over here um, so it's kind of this legendary move at the same time where it's, it's almost kind of like how battle Royale was for a while where because we couldn't get it and because you had to put effort into getting it, it, it almost kind of had this, this like mythos about it, you know? And so that, that, that's kind of that movie for me is I could watch it again at this point and think it's dumb. I don't know, but it was this movie that felt so different from most of the anime I was watching at the time that I kind of, I kind of became a fan of that movie separately from the series itself. Um, so I've always just wanted to have a copy, and and right. I'm glad now that there is. I mean, it's it's gonna come. It's not a a if but when. I think. Well, at the very least, I'll definitely pick that up on your recommendation. And before we get to the uh, the, the main piece we both want to discuss here, uh, talking about all of this anime, and it's not in any of my notes today, but the big one that a lot of people are waiting for, and it's supposed to come this year, and, and it's going to pull a limited run. And what I mean by that is it's going to go up online when either I'm broke and least expect it, and that's the Evangelion Blu-ray set. Ah. Uh. Um, that's a whole discussion maybe for another day. I went back and, um, I watched the entire Evangelion series, uh, on Netflix when they got the rights. I can't believe, was it two summers ago? It was one or two summers ago. And, um, I do have all of the, the reissues, one, one, two, one, through all that crap. And I know three Oh and one or whatever four is, is finally coming out. Um, it's very interesting. It's interesting because I, I did enjoy parts of it, and it's amazing. You know, people I know have been to Japan in recent years, and it's crazy because you know you hear you hear a lot of things about like, oh, this is so big in Japan. Oh, this is great. The Japanese love this, and then you know you get someone like me <laughs> and Molly a couple months ago on one of her episodes, and we sat down and we did the numbers, and. I'm like, well, Sat, well, Saturn was the hottest Sega platform there. Or like, this series really, it didn't sell like Grand Theft Auto. And I'm not like, put, I'm just trying to say there's these legends or things get blown out of proportion. But the reason I bring this up, in my opinion, when it comes to Evangelion, you know how it's like you picture Japan, it's like, oh, Sega must be everywhere. Right. Or this game, that's not really the case. In Tokyo, Evangelion, I felt like in photos, was everywhere. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, of all the things that get discussed about lore from Japan and how big something is a part of culture, Evangelion is on that list. Now, with that type of hype and build, um, I don't know. Have have you watched all of Neon Genesis Evangelion? I mean, uh, okay. I I watched it back when it was like coming out on VHS. Like the original AD Visions run. Uh-huh. Um Eva for me is kind of like Final Fantasy Seven. Like I-, I liked both of them initially, but then people wouldn't shut up about them. <laughs> and I got more and more annoyed and started hating the things. Yeah. Um I I I literally cannot understand Eva's releases at this point. Like, if I wanted to say, I want to go watch Evangelion, mm-hmm. I I don't know how. Like, there's this 1.0, 1.1, 2.0, <laughs> don't cry, remember me, I, I, I don't, I don't know, 3.14, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what to get to watch it. And I'm sure I could probably go on to, to, to Funimation's streaming yeah. or something and watch it. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't understand, so I'm probably going to go back and watch it again at some point, because I, I want to give it a the, legitimate second chance. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm i so confused by how... Do you know who's in the same class as the Neon Genesis uh, creators? Who? The people behind Near Automata and Replicant. That that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So, so here's the deal. Uh, I legitimately, like some of the animation, uh, certain episodes i really did enjoy for i'm not just saying that to agree with the group i don't know if this is kind of a giveaway but there are some series like i would actually be interested because we've got fan mail again today i hope yep and there are some series you can binge watch like something like cowboy bebop cowboy bebop you can watch over and over cowboy bebop is interesting because Cowboy Bebop, in my opinion, is the anime that people who aren't into anime can get into. Right. But it's not a mainstream sucky anime. It's an outstanding anime with great characters, beautiful animation. And I feel like Cowboy Bebop, you can sit there and study it and watch it, or you can play it in the background. It works either way. Evangelion is different in that I I can't really recommend it to everyone, but one thing that's interesting is, oh, in terms of the binge watching, I got through like the first seven, eight, nine, ten episodes. I'm like, oh, I'm going to blow through this in a couple days, okay? (laughs) And I think it's like a 26-episode series, something like that, 25, 26. Trying to get through the middle episodes, wow. I mean, I went from knocking out seven to ten episodes in two days, and I think to get through the next ten episodes took me like four to six weeks. (laughs) Going back and looking up like behind the scenes or discussions people have on it, and I'm hoping I'm remembering this right, I do believe it has a lot to do with the main creator and his depression. So you feel that in the pacing of those episodes. And I don't know if that's a plus or minus, but I tell you what, you feel it because it it was painful in some ways to get through. I just, 
it's like 25 minutes and it felt forever. Yeah. So anyway, that aside, Evangelion aside, we can talk about that more down the road. The main course, I think, uh, that Molly is itching to discuss anime-related is Discotech. Which is a name that I honestly knew little about um, even a couple of years ago. I I I I don't know. I don't know if it was just my feed or I. Fu- they also have a Twitch channel, so they do streams. For example, they had a great stream a couple months ago. They debuted the HD version of Memories, yeah. which will have release on Blu-ray this June. I won't bore everyone about that, but I will say this: I saw Memories years ago. I thought it was very good. I watched the whole thing again on a Saturday night on a discotheque stream. I thought it was fantastic. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's because anime has gotten so bad these days that I'm now thinking anime that I thought was <laughs> middle of the road or is like phenomenal pieces of art. But all jokes aside, I think it's maturing, getting older. Um, Memories was fan. As a matter of fact, I had no intention of buying it. Now I'm going to buy it. So, but yeah, I've, I've, got, port- I've got too many. I've got just so many anime Blu-ray I need to get at this you, point. Because, oh, because so, get, so many oh, okay. like, of these old series are finally coming right. back and getting proper releases. and so. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, on, this same sh- uh, on a stream that was shortly thereafter, Discotech had exciting news. Mm, yes, they have did. recovered the original Project Echo film for upcoming Blu-ray release. And this is huge i mean this like echo is one of my i don't know if i've ever told the story in the podcast or not but i'll tell it real quick i got into anime because of x-men uh i i had a friend who i thought was really cool he liked the x-men i'm like i'm gonna read x-men too so i would the comic yes i'd go to the comic stores and find x-men comics to try to avoid more about x-men i found this comic called xenon it was this really weird black and white comic um i'm like hmm I'll try this. Uh, it was a Japanese series. I didn't really know that. I started reading that. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool and very different. So that led me to read other comics that were out at the time. Uh, one of those was Appleseed. And mm. this is going to sound completely bizarre to younger listeners, but there used to be a time when comic books would print letters from the readers. Oh, yes. And they would print the, the reader's full name and address because that wasn't odd at that point in time. So I wrote uh, a not understanding anime and manga yet at this point. I was, I was younger. You have to understand, at this point, anime barely existed in America. And if it did exist, it was oftentimes like Robotech. We didn't know where it came from. We didn't know it was from Japan. We just knew it was a, a, a cartoon that looked different. So I wrote into the, the Appleseed, and I said, hey, this comic's pretty neat. Are you guys going to ever make a movie <laughs> for Appleseed? And <laughs> a few other things. They printed my letter, and I had people write to me and be like, hey, you know, there is an actually an Appleseed cartoon, aka anime, stuff like that. And I had a few people send me VHS tapes of six hours or so of just completely random stuff. Mm -hmm. It might be one episode of this TV show and then 20 minutes of promos for stuff and then 
one entire movie and then something else. Of course, none of it was subtitled, none of it was dubbed, that didn't exist at that point. But on one of the tapes was this movie called Project Echo. And it blew my mind. It was amazing. It was one of the first anime that that really kind of caught me and swept me up in all this and got me to be a fan. <clears throat> and for so long, we've had just no really good versions. Like, I literally, right here, not five feet away from me, have my Aiko uh, Laserdisc still, for example. Wow. I have it on DVD as well, but there's there's been nothing past that because they didn't have the film masters. And the 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 vault that was supposed to have it didn't have it. Um and it just it just it was missing. And so for for so long there's been nothing. And so this this company called Discotech, uh, they've been doing a lot of really good work on bringing kind of older uh anime titles back. To, to kind of new era uh, formats and things. They announced they were going to do, um, uh, use this thing called the Astro Res. And I believe they were using the LaserDisc Master, or not maybe maybe the Master, maybe just like a LaserDisc version. Because that was. Right, a- to, to utilize that for the original Blu ray transfer. Right. And so they, they basically were doing an upscaler. Um, and it was this kind of high-tech upscale process. And they, they were showing off some examples of, of what they were doing to upscale it. And obviously this isn't what everybody wanted, but it was far and away the best thing we, we were going to have at this point because the original film master had been lost. Uh, however, a man named Robert Woodhead, mm-hmm. which people may or may not know as the guy who started Animago, which was one of the original companies in America to to bring Japanese anime over to our country subtitled and and not changing the shows not not editing them not reformatting them but bringing them as the original series or series um he somehow realized when he was working on other projects at that film vault because He's still doing things. Like, for example, he did a Kickstarter to bring uh, the original Bubblegum Crisis to, to Blu-ray. And he did a Kickstarter for a talking video, for example. <clears throat> so he was at a Japanese film lab working on other stuff. And he, he realized that the original film master for Project Echo was there, but because of a clerical error... Right. Nobody had known where it was at, which is great. This is like a crazy, crazy story, you know? Um, this was super exciting. Discotech announced that they were scrapping their up-res project, and they were going to do a brand new HD transfer from the original Film Master. Um, and it is... I mean, it's it's got a little bit of problems, but it's it's mostly in fantastic quality and in fantastic condition still. And it's of a of a resolution high enough that we can get 4K transfers from it. Wow. And Discotech has not yet officially announced a 4K release of the movie, but they have done 4K releases such as Space Adventure Cobra and Cag- Castle of Cagliostro. So I'm 
I'm pretty certain that once we get close enough that they announce the final details of the launch, that we're going to get a 4K UHD as well. Um, but yeah, this, this I mean, Eiko is one of my favorite anime of all time. After so long of thinking we would never, ever get a good quality version of it, this is a huge find, and it's super exciting, and it's awesome, and everybody, could, everybody should see it. So... And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they're saying later this year, end of 2021? <clears throat> yeah, I think that was it, because, I mean, obviously the the schedule had to change because they had to completely switch the process and start it over again. Uh, but, I mean, kudos for them for doing that. Kudos for them, you know, actually going through it and everything. And Do, you know which anime I, I wish, uh, it's got to be tied up in rights or something, and I don't, know, I don't know how many people want to see it come back, but you know what I wish would get re-released on hmm. blu-ray or just come out is uh lens man ah yeah but um but i'm very excited for project echo as well i'll definitely be uh picking that up yeah okay so the doomsday duplicator has allowed us to capture direct rf stream laser disc video so yeah they were basically pulling it from the laser disc um and the reason they were doing that is because laser disc was uh, analog still so I think it was the the highest quality analog version of the movie they had, um, and yeah, they were going to do this big restoration thing, and and now they don't have to. But I mean, they're doing a different kind of restoration. Yeah, you so, should I mean, take some shots of your uh, Project Echo laser disc later yeah, or tomorrow if you that. remember. If it's easy to access. Yeah, um, but no, like it's it's you know you kind of hit on this a little bit, but like I I feel like. Part of it is age and part of it's just being grumpy is that um, I I don't care about most new anime. I care about the older stuff, the stuff that I got into when I first was getting into anime, you know, especially the 80s, 80s kind of stuff, early 90s. And so the more things like this where we we have these fantastic movies or, or TV shows or OVAs, or OAVs, depending on how you say it, uh, coming back, like, that makes me very, very excited. Um, not not money-wise, but but as a fan. <laughs> and now that I'm getting ACO, my next dream is that we actually get the the uh, Dirty Pair Blu-ray collection in America. Mm. Which I, I have um, decently high hopes for, but we'll see. Um, there was something I was going to say, and it just uh, it escaped me. But um, yeah, I, uh, I I'm very I'm very excited for that. I'm so and, sorry, and, uh, I, I lost um, my train of thought. Um, who uh, who are Aiko's parents, Anthony? <laughs> Why are you putting me on the spot? <laughs> oh, help me out. Help me out. They're they're very famous characters. As, uh, as, I, as I hear you searching for the answer, I, I have I have to. Um. Oh my god, I didn't know this. I'm looking at the answer here. Is that's not made clear in the anime? Correct. I mean, it's it's um. You you have a scene of her father reading Daily Planet. Wow. With the, with the things about Tomasa. So the answer that I had to cheat to uh, yes. to see 
is it alleges that Aiko appears to be the child of Superman and Wonder Woman. Yep. And it, it goes on to say, I don't know if we're really stretching things here, but it says, it could be argued that Biko is intended to be the daughter of Tony Stark. Yeah, that one I didn't know. Wow, but Superman and Wonder Woman, huh? Yes. It's such a weird, it's such a crazy anime. Uh, I, I know especially, we talked about... Especially if you watch yeah. it like I did, where where you didn't know Japanese and there were no subtitles. And Oh, I don't, I don't even know how no, that would come across. You had no idea why any of this was happening, <laughs> but it was still cool. Wow. Yeah, it originally came out June of 1986. And it has uh, a fantastic soundtrack yeah. um, that I have on CD. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to keep an eye out and see if there's any vinyl for it. I'll keep you posted. Oh, that, that, would, be, that would be neat to have. I tell you, I, you know, I was on that perfect blue kick two weeks ago, so I was looking just for the hell of it to see if there's a soundtrack on vinyl. And there is. Hmm. That actually came out not long ago, but you don't want to know the price now. So that's, I, I, yeah. that's never going to happen. Speaking of things raising in price, Anthony... Boy, I, I don't know. I don't know where this is headed because privately, privately, Molly and I seem to have some sort of uh, secret contest going on where we're trying to kill each other with pre-orders and releases of stuff that gets announced every day and see who's going to bust who first financially. So, um, but back to what you're saying in terms of stuff going up in value, because 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 of um, certain. Other options for buying them are disappearing, like like digital stores going oh, away. I, so okay, so I'm very familiar with yes. So the unfortunate element of PlayStation Three, Vita, and PlayStation Portable stores uh, going bye bye uh, by this summer. I might be a little bit behind on what you're alluding to. But oh, oh just for- so so have have you not seen uh, the prices of games? Uh, PS, PS3, PSV, and Vita games at this point? No. Oh, yeah. Does that mean I'm going to be rich and I can retire? They're, they're already going up. Get out of here. Nope. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Wait, stop. Time out. How? Okay, this makes me happy because my PlayStation 3, my collection and all those is, you know, I should be a millionaire. But why is the... Okay, I guess I guess this could go both ways. Why is the pricing going up so rapidly when there may be the caveat of patches not being available? Well, okay, so I mean the the concern now is that So okay, what let's explain first what's happening basically. Um so so it was I think it was rumored first and I hope you have the dates for this cuz I don't have the dates on hand. Um, it was a I, rumor, I have the email. A rumor came out that the PlayStation 3 PSP uh, uh, asterisk, because it's, it's technically already was halfway dead, um, and Vita digital stores would be, would be shut down by Sony. That sounded, kind of, sounded pretty crazy, especially Vita, uh, because you have, you have developers still making Vita games. Right. And still planning to release their Vita games. Uh, and developers who had n- no warning on this that it was going to happen um, 
So it sounded like a crazy rumor, and then I think it was a... The, the rumor came out in mid-March and said around the end of March, Sony's going to announce it. And around the end of March, Sony did announce it. And I believe, what, it's it's July something for... So yes. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll read. It says, we are... This is the official Sony release to uh, PlayStation Network, uh, you know, on their mailing list. And uh, this was sent March 29th. Hi, so-and-so. That's... That's not my screen name, but there you go. Uh, we are closing the PlayStation Store on PlayStation 3 on July 2nd, 2021, and on PlayStation Vita devices on August 27th, 2021. Additionally, the remaining purchase functionality for PlayStation Portable will also retire on July 2nd. So before I continue, PlayStation 3 and PSP is July 2nd. Mm-hmm. The Vita is August 27th. Um, it says, after thoughtful consideration, we decided to make these changes in an effort to focus our resources for the PlayStation Store on PS4 and PS5, which will enable us to enhance the customer experience even further. We thank you for your support on these platforms throughout the years. You know, I have something to bring up amid all of this that nobody has brought up because I'm so smart. Okay. Uh, do you want me to say it now before I forget? Or- sure. Okay. So you correct me if I'm wrong. All right. According to this, PlayStation 3, Vita, and PSP stores, and let's focus on PS3 primarily, PlayStation 3 store is gone this summer, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, that means... So that means if I turn my PS3 on and I go to go to the store via the store icon, it's not going to be there, correct? That's a good question. Like, I, I don't know if it's going to not be there or if so, it's not going to, like, load or what. I mean, I would so, assume they're going to just take it off. Yeah, so let's do some hypothesizing here. Okay, the store is gone. Mm-hmm. Whatever you have, you can keep. The, I think they allege you can re-download your purchase stuff. All right, fine. Now, I'm going to discuss something that I don't have, that I don't subscribe to. And I'm not trying to sound like a brat, but I pretty much own all of the digital content that I want on that platform, okay? But there's a lot of other people that aren't stupid like me and buy dozens of games, okay? Mm -hmm. I guess if that's going away, then that is a huge chunk of content which PlayStation 4 and arguably PS5 owners won't have access to via the PlayStation Now cloud-based program. Wrong. Huh? Wrong. Okay, I was... I'm prepared for that. Okay, so now that's a bigger problem, in my opinion. Okay, so you're telling me that X, Y, and Z games, which were only on the PlayStation 3 platform will still be accessible by way of the cloud on modern hardware. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, for, for... Do you see where I'm headed with this if we're in the court of law? Well, that's a big problem because that data still has to be accessed even for streaming. That means it exists on a server still, correct? Well, the, okay. So the, the difference is... That my understanding of how Sony does it, because Sony used Gaikai, they bought Gaikai, the company, and they use Gaikai for PlayStation now, 
is they literally well, which have, I can't believe callback here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that freaking Dave Perry behind that? Yes, yes, it Can is. Can you believe yeah. there's a guy yeah. that a study needs to be done on? There's a guy that's known how to make millions in this industry throughout the decades. Good lord. Yeah. Uh, w- but anyway, so yes, I know Guy Kai, which you deserve a medal for your craft <laughs> that you know that, and I and I know I know it, but that's because I find Dave Perry amazing because. This is a guy, more power to him, that knows how to work the people and work the teams and be very successful somehow. But okay. Okay, so so, yes. so Sony, and I don't know how big of a room, but Sony literally has a room full of PS3s that run the games that you play on PlayStation now. Oh, come so on. So when you play, I mean... This uh, can't be. No, because like like uh, Microsoft's big X Cloud is running off of Xbox One S's. Like they have a room of Xbox One S's. I'm blown games. away by this. Um, so so the difference is is that's a completely separate thing. It's not a store. It's it's they have a bunch of PS3s with a bunch of games installed on them. And when you play on PS now, you're basically connecting to one of their PS3s to play it. Wow. Now now, real quick, side question is how long are they gonna want to keep PS3s around? You know, so are they going to have a different solution for playing PS3 games in the future, or are they going to actually keep a room with PS3s around, or at some point will PS3 games on PS Now go away? I don't know. What I pictured in my head was like a large server room with drives and PC equipment hosting the content. Nope. Am I an idiot for thinking that? No, no. It's it seems stupid. That the solution literally is just to throw a bunch of PS3s into a room, but that that is the how can that be solution? It's I mean think okay think about this, this, this okay this but then, well wait, how wait, wait. how is that stuff still going to be accessed? I guess I know you're just explaining. So how is that still going to be accessed for PlayStation now? Okay, think about it this way. You know how like if you if you had a Vita, right? Yep. You took it on vacation or you took it on a work trip or whatever. You're at a hotel, you could connect to your hotel's Wi-Fi, and then you could stream games from your home PS4 to the Vita. Yes, Neil is the king of this. Yes, you're literally just doing that on PS Now. That's what PS Now is. When you're asking how they can exist and still exist their month store, the store is a server, a PC server that just has files like an FTP, and that's not an FTP, but like an FTP, that mm-hmm. it just then sends to your console. Whereas PlayStation Now is literally a connection system for connecting you to their actual in-existence game consoles. Wow. So those games, I, I, I guess maybe your question would then be, how do they get the games on the PS3s? But they obviously would have their own. Because the whole thing is, is if if they're allowing us to still download our games after the store shut down... They still exist somewhere, right? The, the technology data. still exists. It's just they're cutting off our access to all of that stuff. So Sony would obviously still have their own back end for doing it. But the the store itself is going away. I want to hear what you have to say about pricing. I'm I'm not done talking about this quite yet, but before we went on the air, and I almost thought this was a sick joke. I'm looking for my. I'm on my Twitter right now. I'll give play by play here. 
So before we went on the air, and it was literally not long ago, Shuhei Yoshida did a tweet. And he's holding up a PlayStation Vita, and it says, Ready? And it's Astro Aqua Kitty. And uh, someone replies, and is it a new PlayStation Vita game? And he goes, yes, released yesterday. And then someone else goes, will we still be able to download after August? <laughs> and Shuhei Yoshida said, yes. And that left me very confused. Well, I think the problem is, technically, he's not wrong. Is it because it's August twenty seventh? Not no, no. I'm going to say is because if you if you buy it, then sure you can still download it. Oh come! Are you a lawyer now? <laughs> Will you stop it? So I mean, I mean, if the question is, can you buy it after that date? No. Oh can my you god! Download it, or maybe he's maybe he's encouraging piracy. I don't know. <laughs> wow! But but. So I, I think we're kind of dumping a lot of people who don't haven't heard all this. So the, the the concern is that basically these stores, these digital stores, are going to close, and past that point, you you just can't buy these digital games anymore. You know, we've seen this on the Nintendo side with both the Wii and the DSi yes. shop, whatever it was yes. called. Um. You know, and, and so there's a few concerns here, and then I'll get into the pricing stuff for that. For, for one is you, you had, you know, PS3 was um, part of the first generation where we had truly digital-only games for some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've put together a, a small list of games, I think, digital-only games I think people should grab, um, but th- there are some games... You know, on on definitely on PS3, definitely on PSP, definitely on Vita, where these games only existed digitally. Now, if that same game exists other places, like if it also was on Xbox Live on the 360, for example, then then it's it sucks that you can't get it later on the PS3, but but it does exist out there. You know, um, but the, the the first concern is there are going to be games that don't exist anywhere else mm-hmm. but those platforms. And this was a huge, huge problem with DSi um, because there were a ton of just small, weird, niche, but interesting Japanese titles that only ever came out anywhere digitally on the DSI on the DSI wear shop. And so when that store went away, access to all of those games vanished. And right. and the the concern is, let me bring up a, a game as an example. Um let me look at my list. So, okay. Siren Blood Curse, right? And and people are going to get annoying and they're going to say, "Well, you can buy the the European release of that game because it came out physically. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. Talking about the North American version. In North America, Siren Blood Curse only came out digitally. So when this door goes away, if if you are somebody who already has a PS3 but never heard of it, 
there's somebody who maybe gets a PS3 later, and trust me, people are still buying PS3s and Vitas and PSBs. Um, if anything happens, especially in this era where we've seen games get popular again because of YouTubers mm-hmm. or, or Twitch streamers or whatever, uh, Among Us is a fantastic example of that. If that ever happens and somebody is playing Siren Blood Curse and you're like, wow, that game looks awesome. I want to try it. You then have no option for buying it. Because it just doesn't exist anymore. Because that store is gone. So even if I can still download it because I purchased it previously, you can't buy it. Right. And that's a scary aspect of digital games. Now... Another twist to this, and this is where the prices come in, is it sent some people in a panic. Because right now, if I say I want to get like Uncharted, right? Uncharted 1, 2, or 3 on on PS3, Mm -hmm. I have the choice of I can buy it physically or I can buy it digitally. Once that store is gone, that means... Just in general, one of my choices for buying it is gone. But that could also mean the affordable choice for buying it is gone. Now, Uncharted probably is super cheap physically. Not going to be a problem. Uh, But you're going to find games that are a problem. You're going to find games that are, are, are more rare or... They're, they're popular enough that the prices have gone up, or there's other reasons why physical isn't the, the, the easiest or cheapest or best choice to make. And when you take the digital option away, that suddenly means that the only chance you have to buy that game is, is the, the rare, expensive physical release. And right. what's, what's happened is because people are panicking, because there's only now... You know what? Uh, May, June, July—like three months—to mm-hmm. to buy everything and anything you want before you can't anymore. People are starting to to buy games, even ones that don't have digital versions uh, on the PS3. Um, I, I, I've seen it most on PS3, but I'm sure it's happening in Vita. Oh, Vita, it's happening definitely. It's happening on there. PSP, I'm not as sure of though. Um, is because this panic of like once the digital store is gone, those physical copies are going to get so more much more popular because it's the only option that these prices are going up. And and one of the examples I'm going to give you isn't a great example because it didn't have a digital version. But I want to give you Anthony three examples of price changes that have happened so far. I'm hoping I own some of these. I mean, mathematically, I have to. And these are all complete in box prices. These aren't. Uh, uh- Okay. Um, disc only. These aren't brand new. But okay, okay. so let's start with 3D Dot Game Heroes. Uh, I don't have that one, unfortunately. And this is the one where I'm. Well, I guess the next one doesn't have a visual race either. Um, okay, so in January of 2021, the complete in box average price was $35. Okay. Okay. As of right now, complete in box average price is $88. Wow. Yeah, that's a huge. That's triple the price in three months. Uh, folklore, not not as bad. Um, the complete in box price in January was thirty dollars, and the complete in box average now is fifty one dollars. Hmm. But I will tell you, 
looking at the recently sold uh, complete in box auctions, um, we have one for $123, wow. one for $142, one for $75. Uh, and finally, one that has surprised me is uh, Asura's Wrath. I do. Okay, now we're talking my language. And this one is especially interesting because, and this is the conversation that comes up, is not only is this also on 360, mm-hmm. but it's backward compatible on 360. Correct. Meaning, I can play it right now on my Correct. Xbox Series X. But yep. the thing is, is maybe people don't want to play on Xbox. Maybe they want to have it specifically for PS3. Uh, January, the average for complete in box was $31. Mm-hmm. The current average is $61. Mm. And there was a not new but mint condition copy just sold today for $127. Oh my god. I you know what? I'll even throw in the uh <laughs> the mini art book that I have and I even own the full blown art book. Uh, as a matter of fact, for people that know me, you know, and all all jokes aside, um I don't know if I'd say it's one of my favorite games of all time. That's I have to use the word game loosely with that. That is one of the that is one of the best anime in video game form experiences i've ever had and did you ever play asura's wrath i i i shamefully haven't i i do i do own a 360 copy but i haven't played it yet it's um i love the art uh art is fantastic i love the character um they even had it down to where it's weird because it was broken up into episodes and it was like last time on it was like done like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of like kind of like what Capcom did with um, Resident Evil Revelations. Oh, they did yeah, a similar kind of thing on there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I didn't think of that. But uh, and also for those who are in the, that was also done by CyberConnect too. Yeah. So anyway, that that is very interesting. Um. Wow. I, I, yeah, I know. Digital. We were just talking digitally. Our collections. Do you have a pretty healthy physical PS3 collection? I actually don't, um, and I I feel <laughs> really bad about it now. But before I moved back, I kind of went through my my because I had a lot of 360 and PS3 stuff. Mm-hmm. I went through both collections, and I'm like, okay, what games do I legitimately not care about and will never play? And I took those to a, a used game store and traded them in. Um, so I, I have, I have a decent, I, I think maybe, um, maybe like 30 or 40 games right now. Uh, I know we can do this all night, but I'm just going to pick one off the top of my head, a game that's good. And I would think is rare, even without any of this happening. And it is on 360 as well. Do you mind looking one up? Yeah. PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. Lollipop Chainsaw. Let's look at the, uh, oh, that's a, that's a nice spike. Okay. So, uh, this is interesting. So November... Of last year, it was $22 average that's, for complete Wow, box. that's not much. January, it's average of 41 Current average is 52 But it's looking like copies are selling for like 55 to 60 right now. Mm, mm. So it's going to be like... So I, I, I have a, a list of five points I wanted to make about this. Here's, here's the thing. If there are any... And the problem in... Because what I'm what I'm showing you right now is the problem is this isn't just about getting games 
we have the digital versions going away. There, there is currently a run on everything PS3. And the, the concern is, does this go back to normal? And, and my worry is maybe it doesn't. At least not the previous normal. Like, it, it might be the case of, it was a game you used to get for 20 Currently, it's selling for 60 Maybe it'll go back to 40 but not come back to 20 Like, I, I think this, it's hard. So, I, I hesitate a little bit to say this, but I think that if there's any physical games on PS3, PSP, or Vita, and Vita's going to be the roughest one. Vita is, is getting disgusting already. Um, if there's any physical games you must have, right now is probably the time to get them. But it's already too late. Like, you know, it's so funny. And I didn't know this was going to happen. But I'd say maybe two, three months ago. Actually, you'll know this from private texting. I, I don't know what it was, Molly. I was in a weird mood. You know, because I have everything logged and listed. Mm-hmm. I made what I consider pretty much my final PlayStation 3 physical purchases off Amazon. Meaning, I was looking for new titles and ones that I may have missed. And I probably ordered three to five brand new PlayStation 3 games in the last few months. What, what, what did you get? Uh, it's going to be a weird mix, okay? <laughs> uh, I started out, I got XCOM. But then I realized there was um, an updated version of XCOM, which was supposed to be done via patch, and they changed their mind six months after release and released a, uh, oh, I can't remember the name right. You know what? I can go on to my, anyway, I bought that one as well. Um, Hold on. And just so we don't have dead air while I'm looking up the name of it, I also did a Deadpool. Mm. And um, the other one I did, uh, I did Crisis 2. I know that's a very weird choice, but I lost that when I sold some of my Xbox stuff recently and I had Crisis 3, so I got Crisis 2 brand new. And then I think the last one I did was Drakengard 3. Oh, that's actually a, that's a good choice to have made. Yeah. Because I'm... I'm... What's funny too is 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 um that's one of those games Dragon Frank Spell Dragon Guard. Um I think there's also the bump from kind of um from near. near. Well that's yeah, yeah and, near, and for the record, because I'm looking at my backloggery, I can tell you exactly when I added that to my list. It's uh, time flies. I got Dragon Guard three brand new PS3 January twenty second. Hmm. Uh, Crisis 2, I did January 17th. Deadpool, January 17th. Uh, XCOM, Enemy Within, that same day. So I did a lot of my cleaning house in January. And then locally, while not brand new, I got a near mint copy. You ready? Uh, The Orange Box. I used to have that. I used to have that. Yeah. So, you know, like, the problem is, this is like stock market, right? Is, is... We don't know where it's going to go, but said my my fear is that because that digital option's going away, that these prices just might never get back to being what they were. Right. So that's right. why I'm kind of like, I think I think if there's games you absolutely positively have to have, and 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 ask yourself that you know like what do you actually have to have physically. 
Um, I, I, I think now is the time to get them. Now, hopefully they'll go back down in price, but we just don't know. And, and my fear, and I'll tell you, Vita, Vita is, I think Vita is going to be ugly from here on out. I think, I think, because Vita was, there were just so few copies of almost all those games. Mm-hmm. They were, it was such a niche platform, but it's a hardcore platform. Vita's never going to get better. And, and Vita is absolutely a case of it's too late, you know, but it's a question of like, how much more pain do you maybe want? Um, but in that, I would say, bit separately if if you have any xbox 360 games to pick up now is the time i think i think there's like we are the cheapest point for 360 games right um i know i've said this before but things are cyclical where people who had the console as a kid are going to want to go back to it again for nostalgia so we're going to get to a point where those games go start going back up and then the fact that the physical copies will unlock the game for backward compatibility on the new Xboxes. Like that's going to make 360 copies more more in demand as well. So absolutely, if there's any 360 games you want, get them now. Um, and I think in all this, if if there's part of you that wants to rush out and get these PS3 games you're missing, I think that. You know, just being being real, most times the 360 version was the better version. I think don't feel like if you have the option for both, don't feel like you need to have the PS3 copy. You know, because I think that's what some people are feeling right now is is that they have to go out and get the PS3 copy because it's going to go away. It's going to get harder. It's going to get more expensive. But but if you have the choice of both, maybe just get the 360 version and be happy with that. Even if you have the PS3 collection, you know, just be smart about it. And I would say 100%, again, this is a stock kind of thing. I'm not an expert. Can't say for certain. But do not sell your games yet. If you have All right. any right. games you want to sell on PS3, PSP, or Vita, do not sell them yet. Because this ride ain't over. And <laughs> it's getting way worse or if you're selling way better before it goes the opposite direction if it does you know people are in a panic now but you've got you've got to think about all the people who haven't heard about this right who are gonna buy it and then forget um who come to this stuff late like once those digital stores are gone then there's no secondary option so if there's any physical games you want to sell, do not sell them yet. Um, and I'm 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 not saying how, but let's be let's be just honest here. PSP is super duper easy to get games for. So mm. if there's PSP games you're missing, seriously, don't sweat those. Don't sweat those. And there are options for the other two platforms. They're they're more complicated, you know, um, but they are out there. So please don't feel like 
you have to go out and spend hundreds of dollars on just one of these games, you know, a game to have it. Um, You're no fun. I know, I know. But like, <laughs> like yeah. I, I do think, I do think there, there is some, some logic to, and the problem too here, the problem with this too is, and this is, this was kind of like a, a, a foreshadowing that the, the store is closing down. Is Sony has not allowed companies to put PS3, PSP, and Vita games on sale for like at least a year now. Mm. And so the problem is if there's games that you want, you're not going to get super, super great deals on them, which sucks. You know, but mm. like think about it and maybe buy some digital games before they go away. But it's, I'm in a weird place because I'm, I hate this. And this is awful for so many reasons. Right. It's awful because just it's, it's another example for whatever reason of Sony kind of pushing aside their history and their older game libraries. Um, it's, it's bad for preservation. But there's part of me that's just like, you know what? If it happens, it happens. And I personally am not sweating in as much as I should be, I feel like. But it sucks. It sucks. Well, time flies, and, and I'll say this as we wrap this segment up, but just for a reminder, because it's so hard to keep track of dates for what it's worth, just to put into perspective how long these platforms have been out and these stores, for the most part, have been up. Of the PS3, the Vita, and the PlayStation Portable, I know, I know you'll know this, but you know what the oldest of the three are? I mean, I'd say PSP, but... Yeah, that is correct. Is it? Okay. PlayStation Portable, and this is American release dates. PSP was released March 24th, 2005. Wow. That's almost half, I mean, not quite. It's almost half my life ago. I mean, that's, uh, PSP does not feel that old to me. See, it feels really old to me just because of um, remembering where I was at when I got it. And the point that you in Osaka? No, I was I was in America. I was in America. Okay. But just a point in my life that I was at. And it was magical to me because it was a device where I could like put video files on there and put photos on there. So it was like pre-iPhone. Mm. Which like I can't even remember a pre-iPhone era anymore. So yeah, like, right. it, it does feel old to me, but I couldn't believe what the first title I saw on it, and this was with Neil. It was at a local uh, little restaurant. He had an import, brought it in, and I saw Ridge Racer on it. Ridge Racer blew. I could it was not mind believe, blowing. Yeah. It was mind blowing. Um, and then the PlayStation Three. This I remember very well. November seventeenth, two thousand six. So this holiday season, it'll turn 15. And then, uh, you ready for this? Uh, not quite there yet, but getting close to that decade mark. This shocks me. PlayStation Vita was released stateside February 15th, 2012. See, and that's the thing. is like, look, we all know Vita failed. We all know Sony gave up in it like a year later after it came out. It's been almost 10 years. It's a long time. But it, it's just it's just the fact that, like, literally, literally, Sony, like, months ago, sent somebody a Vita development kit. 
developers have been making Vita games still. They have games that were announced, and Sony said nothing to anybody about it. So, so even if you bring in the the yeah buts, you know, yeah, but the Vita failed. Yeah, but it's been almost ten years. Like to have that store going down now, mm-hmm. and with so little actual like forewarning, it really sucks. Well, what I find weird, this isn't directly related to this, but what I find crazy is some of the more powerful Switch games when running in handheld mode, while the games won't run in a true 720p at times, they'll run in that odd 540p number, Mm -hmm. which is the Vita number. Yeah. (laughs) So that always gets me like, uh, it's maybe an odd thing to compare but i'm like that resolution for what it's worth that hd we'll call it an hd resolution in the palm of your hand was available all the way back in 2012 yeah on an oled screen that was i mean like the psp and the vita both were just so far ahead of their time and um the psp did get a foothold it did pretty decently but like unfortunately the vita just couldn't couldn't get anywhere and it sucks because it was a really great console or handheld i should say but mm. so okay what how, do you how, think and as we wrap this up what do you think really quick because uh, here's the thing a lot of people probably think they don't hear me talk much about vita do i hate vita what's my deal i love the vita i was a huge proponent of it that first year it came out and I don't know why I took this so personal over all the things I've been through in gaming over the years with the Jaguar, that piece of garbage, uh, you know, the the ill fate of the TurboGrafx-16, the Sega CD. I've been through all this, and I've never held a grudge. I don't know what it was with the Vita, but when Sony threw in the towel on first-party support that quick, I was shocked. Oh, yeah. Totally. I couldn't, I, I didn't get that because I thought it's an unbelievable unit. But do you think that came down to um combination of marketing? Well, what's, what's interesting is, and I don't know if we know, still know yet if it, he's, he's legit or not, but there has been a Reddit thread from somebody who supposedly worked at Sony who's been talking about like their feelings on the Vita and what happened with the Vita and everything. And so I kind of think it was a case of, like, the American side just never really cared about it that much. And mm. when it started to fail, like, they just gave up on it pretty quickly. And they saw the point in kind of, you know, pushing it still. Um, you know, like, it was it was tough because I remember when we got the Vita first, like, I went to a thing that Sony had and they had a preview event and we got hands-on with it. And then... When the Vita was about to come out, they sent us a big package and they sent us like a copy of like every single launch game and a Vita and it was really exciting and they had like the 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 Vita where you could like have like a, a cell phone internet connection on it and stuff, you know, so you could play it everywhere. And it 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 felt what's funny is though that like I think the PSP felt more exciting from the Sony side. Because the PSP was, you know, whatever you think of them, UMD was like, we're going to put games on this, we're going to put movies mm-hmm. on this, and then we're going to have a, a device that that can, can play your games, and you can watch videos on it, and you can have, you can have, you know, 
uh, your photographs on it, and, and you can hook a camera to it, and you can have you can Skype on it, and you can have a GPS, you know. And it was like the PS3, like how ambitious the PS3 felt, and then just the Vita felt like they pulled back so much, and then it just I think I think the problem was they were chasing that whole playing console games on on your on your portable. And that just wasn't the direction that things should have gone in. But they were really pushing for that, and just the Vita wasn't there yet, you know. And I think you felt it right away, because, I mean, you know, once we got, we got like, Uncharted, right? We got Uncharted, mm-hmm. we got uh, a kill zone, and we got a resistance, but then you just didn't see any of the other, like, big Sony games coming. And there weren't any real projects to bring stuff. I don't know, like, it's, it's, it's almost, like, it's funny because you think about the Dreamcast, and, and you don't realize how quickly Sega gave up on the Dreamcast. Right. Because it was only, like, what, like, two years? E, I mean, in the U.S., like yeah, that? that's correct. Yeah. yeah, it was very quick. So, like... The Vita felt super quick, but then you think about it, like, wait a minute, the, the Dreamcast was also pretty quick as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I I loved the Vita. I was collecting games for the Vita. I have, like, 125-some games or whatever, maybe more than Oh, my that. God, is that physical or... Physical, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, no. But my my problem and kind of why I got burned out was two things, was... There, the the Vita was a console where a game could come out, and then like a month later, it was rare. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. To keep up, it to keep up with that pace, correct? Yes. And- to keep up with that, but it's you know what it is. It's like me. You have to pick and choose, but I feel you. It's like that with vinyl, gaming vinyl. Yeah. And not as bad, what I'm going to say, but like limited run. Well, I'm I'm getting there in a second, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So- <laughs> but yeah, but so it was a case of I had to do that pick and choose, right? And I and just too many times I made the wrong choice. The game mm-hmm. I thought was going to be hard to get, then like dropped in price, like by seventy five percent or so. And then the games I thought I had time to get were suddenly gone, and mm-hmm. they were double, triple the price. And then, of course, you had limited run games that was putting out like Vita game after Vita game after Vita game. Other companies started doing it too, and there was just I I was buying like every I have like the first probably at least the first fifteen limited run games Vita oh my games, God. like every single one, and it just like I got burned out from that and. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, you know what is is on my DS that I was also collecting, I could just go and find games for cheap. And I could add games when I wanted to. You know, because they, they were still around, they weren't as popular, they were they, you know, it's go it's getting out of fashion, so people were selling them for cheaper, it wasn't a big deal. Sure there were some rare games, but not a whole ton of them and they weren't hard to find. Vita was just so hard to keep up with and that's part of what's going to make it so bad in terms of like buying games in the future because of the prices and the rarity and stuff um so yeah i just like got burned out on it and and i love the console but i just couldn't keep up with it and so 
May I ask you one here? I, I have a short list of Vita games. I have 18 physical games. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at my list. I still have a brand new factory sealed limited edition. The Disco Fever edition of Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Is that worth anything? Oh. Let's see. Boy, I thought you were into Persona 4 Gold. I do have that too. Uh, sealed? Uh, not sealed, but it is limited edition. That might be not bad. Okay, so let's see. Disco Fever? Yep. You said sealed? Yep. Uh, 114. I would imagine that's probably going to go up in time, is my guess. What do you think? I have to admit, probably. I thought that would be a little more. But. Probably. I mean, because I was going to say, because I, I, have, I have the special edition golden, um, which I will tell you how much that is. Sealed, because mine is sealed. <laughs> uh, solid gold. That is uh, sealed. It is currently at $556. Oh, my God. What, uh, what condition is yours in? I mean, if I put it back together, it sh- I mean, um, um, it should be mint. So complete though, yeah. The 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 the, the big box version. Yes. Uh, three eighty three. Wow. Yep. I uh, I normally I wouldn't think this game would be worth much, but because it's on Vita, I'll throw one more at you. Metal Gear Solid HD Collection. Mm, I don't know that's much, but let's see HD. It's not too bad, I think, on Vita. I'm trying to remember if I end up getting that or not. Um, complete, it's $37. Okay. So yeah, not, 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 not too much yet. Hmm. What do you think uh, for yourself personally, besides P4 Golden, what do you think is one of your most expensive... Uh... I will tell you. As we sit here and just bore, bore our listeners with my uh, possible financial gains here, I'll tell you... Okay, so sealed is for sort of four golden. Uh, the next one is actually Breach and Clear. Breach and Clear is the very first limited run game to release ever. I have that sealed, and that comes in at two twenty three. Damn. Uh, next, I have uh, Danganronpa V three sealed for one hundred forty four. Oh and shoot! I have a couple of the other ones, but not. V- How much was that V three? Uh, one forty four. Wow. What a. Hmm. The other ones aren't too bad. I mean, the, the, the thing is, the Danganronpas are all going to be rare. So what about uh, the much. Ultra Despair Girls, that one? I don't know how much that is. I have that one in Trigger Happy Havoc. The The first one, okay, Ultra Despair Girls is 66 complete. Okay, I get, and I know you're going to hate me. I know we're going to try to. Here's one, limited edition, Muramasa Rebirth. Uh, first Danganronpa complete is uh, 69. Wow. I mean, basically, like, you're going to get a lot of this stuff for, for Vita's It's crazy prices. And then Muramasa completes 57, so. I'm surprised that one's not a little bit more, but wow. Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah, I got kind of burned out on Visa, Vita, and then I think, I hate saying it, I think kind of I like the PSP more, like, in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But Vita's a good console. PSP is a great handheld. Uh, PS3 unfortunately is our best way right now to play the history of playstation games so this is gonna suck uh a a lot of a lot of ps1 games too i mean think about it right think about like how much misadventures of tron bond 
will cost you right now to get physically. Currently, digitally, I think it's like between five and ten bucks. May I embarrass myself? Hmm. Do you know how many PlayStation 1 classics I have downloaded on my PlayStation 3? How many? <laughs> 80. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot. That's a lot. I, well, I mean, just for stuff, just cherry picking off the top of my head. I'm not even going to look at my list because we'll be here all night. Just cherry picking off the top of my head. Persona 2. Mm-hmm. Swicoden 2. Mm-hmm. Which is oh my god, excessive you know, now. Yeah, I mean, those, I mean, those two right there off the top <clears> of my head, just on PS One Classics, is uh, is crazy. But before yeah. anybody freaks out too much, just just know that um, the PS Three is really bad uh, in terms of it adds lag to both PS One and PS Two games. So it's not the best way to play. It's a convenient mm. way to play. But if you miss stuff. Don't don't freak out. Uh, a PS3, no matter what version, will always play PS1 games. Yeah. Um, only some models of PS3 will play all PS2. And I I don't know if you know this, Anthony. Uh, the the dreaded yellow light of doom that yeah. that hit the original PS3s um, that had the full backward compatibility. Yeah. Like literally, I think a few months ago, they finally figured out what was causing that. Oh, it was a it. it was a capacitor issue, so you can, uh, for a little bit of money, a little bit of effort, get the capacitors replaced, and your console will be fine. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I used to have the OG fat with backwards compatibility. It I, lasted me just shy of six years, and I sold it off for whatever I could get on parts, and then bought my current slim. Wow. I still have my original 60 gig. Uh, wow. It still works. So, uh. um... Yeah, so the problem with these stores going down as we finish this up is that on the PS3, well, on the PSP and Vita as well, because they all play PS1 games, uh, a lot of digital games, uh, a lot of PS1 games got re-released digitally, even some from Japan um, that came to America untranslated, but they still came over. There's a lot of those games now that are just really expensive to get physically, uh, like you were just saying, shown 2, Sweet good in, uh, like I said, misadventures of Tron Bond. So the easy Castlevania way, Chronicles. Yep, the easy way to get a lot of those great old PS1 games is going away. And uh, Sony did release a lot of PS2 games digitally on PS3. I've got a ton of those. You know, all the like Mikami Tensei stuff, for example. So yeah, it sucks. It sucks because it's 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 a fantastic. Not fantastic, but a, a decent way mm-hmm. to go back, back and play all those old games, and it's going to be gone soon. So, mm. um, Since we're going over on time, which is, is shocking because we never do it usually, uh, what if we do emails and then other topics we can get to next episode? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel so guilty. Yeah, let's do the emails. Okay. So let's uh, first start. This is from if I can see the email, move Anthony's box. Uh, this is from Chris. Uh, he says, "Hi Molly and Anthony, I am always happy to offer further thoughts on video game stuff. Uh, listening through the podcast and answering questions as they come up in podcast." So, by the way, he, Chris is the person who talked about Paprium in the last. Oh, episode. okay. All right. Welcome back. Thanks, yes. Chris. Uh, he says, first of all, no, I am not Sega Lord X." 
I really do enjoy his YouTube channel. My channel is just a tiny little thing I put together. Uh, I putter with occasionally. Uh, video game and board game unboxings, and I encode all the VHS tapes I recorded back in the 90s of video game play footage. 12 tapes at 6 hours each worth. Um, does he give his name for his YouTube channel? Of course not. Of course he does not, which he should have given us. Yeah, he's, write us again and uh, we'll, <clears throat> we'll do a plug. On Disc Rot, it's my understanding that with Sega CD and TG16 CD games specifically, the cheaper pressings process compared to music CDs from that era, an air pocket can happen. This air pocket can cause a corrosion to get into the aluminum data layer and eat the data layer. Uh, the way you store your games can have an effect on how quickly disc rot can rear its head. If you're the original owner and you store your games in their case in a climate-controlled, non-smoking room on a shelf, your game is likely going to last a long time. If the game has suffered temp changes or has been heavily used and not taken care of as well, disc rot is far more likely to happen. And then again, it may never happen. My copy of the Sega CD port of Lord of Thunder was a purchase from a rental place getting rid of its Sega CD stock. I love the soundtrack and often listen to it on my CD player. Um, I'm super fascinated by the arrangement differences between the TG16 Super CD and Sega CD arrangements for the music. My copy of Lords of Thunder never had a problem pop up on it. And by the way, it's funny. um, uh, Millennials will not understand this, but back in the day... I know at least some of us used to... So, because the games on CDs had their their soundtrack as basically just, like, CD music files... Right. You could just toss it into a CD player and play the music. So I remember one big one for me was King of Fire 96 on Saturn. Uh, <laughs> I used to play that, that soundtrack all the time, because you could just put it <clears> in. <throat> and as long as you skip track one, uh, you had just the full soundtrack there. It was great. Um, <laughs> was that Red Book Audio? Is that what they called it? Yeah, Red Book Audio, basically, yeah. Uh, and nowadays you can't do that because everything's DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, but yeah, that was a, a nice benefit of when CD games came along is that you got kind of a, a free soundtrack CD with the game. Uh, back to his email. Still, it's kind of nice to not have to worry about it anymore. Yes. On Paprium, I got a chance to try it out with the Sega CD-controlled second player on my Gimpy Sega CD. I was pleased that said Sega CD still works the way I hoped it would. In options, you need to turn on the game's ability to run a CPU-controlled second player. Uh, You start the game, and you need a second controller plugged in. You then start the game and push Start on Player 2 to bring in the second player, and choose the second player character. Then you just set the second controller down. The Sega CD CPU takes over when the game starts. The second controller can still control the second player, which was needed in the CPU second player. Uh, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, the second controller can still control the second player, which was needed, and the CPU second player got stuck in a loop against one of the bosses. Hmm. Okay, so what he's saying is, is he was playing the CPU, got stuck when they're fighting a boss, but because the second control player con- second player controller can control that second con- player still, he was able to get them out of the being stuck. He was able to break that cycle right. or that AI right. out out of that moment. Um, 
I haven't put a super amount of time into it, but honestly, the CPU isn't bad. I didn't have to babysit the CPU and I could trust it to fight and take care of itself. It'll even pick up health items on its own if it's hurt, but we'll wow. leave them if it's in full health. That's good. Uh, its AI is not particularly amazing, but it's not horrible either. It's competent, which is rather interesting to me in and of itself. I'll fight enemies on its own. It'll fight enemies on its own, pick up health items and blue pills, and it's pretty good at avoiding uh, hurting you friendly fire style. Hmm. I played this on my Mega CD with Sega CD attached, so game works great on the Mega CD. As a matter of record, I've sold off my working Sega CD unit when I picked up the Terra Onion Mega D SD. Note that there are versions of Paprium that did release with clamshell cases. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Mine was one of the early investor editions, so it came with the fancy packaging. I didn't play a large amount of Paprium. Finally, getting the, to play all of the Shining Force 3 episodes in English on my Saturn with the Satiator, I have taken my focus. I'm in the middle of the final chapter of episode 3, just leveling my guys in preparation for the final couple battles. Super happy to finally get to play these games after 20 plus years, Chris. Mm. I had actually, um, I had, it's not Kickstarter Patreon, I, I was a patron of the guy who made the Satiator, um, but it's, it's, it's pretty pricey, and I, I don't like, it's, so the difference for people who don't know is a lot of these console now have mods, I, I just, I just bought one for the GameCube, for example, where you get this mod and you take out the, the CD drive, right? But you you plug this new chip in, and for a lot of these consoles, it's basically plug and play at this point. Uh, and then you can put a, an SD card in there and play games off SD card. So the satiator is different because on the Saturn, there's a port in the back where you uh, it was a, it was a like an upgrade v slot VCD. Yeah, where you could have a VCD card, for example, for people who know VCD. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so, instead of replacing your, your, your laser, what you can do is plug this cartridge into the back of the Saturn so that you can play games off of SD, but also keep the laser drive intact and play games off of discs. So it is a nice option, but it's just, for the price, I wasn't sure that I needed or cared about having that option, so I'm probably mm. still going to just go with a standard mod. My mod mine. Anyway, Chris, thanks for the e email and thank you for the information about uh, the CPU controlled second player in Paprium because that was a super interesting idea. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, next question is from Patrick. Hi, all. Not strictly game related, but kind of sorta. Have either of you two heard of a manga called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Are you fans? Thank you for all the podcast fun. Cheers, Patrick. Anthony, have you heard of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you for writing in, Patrick. And uh, yeah, so, um, you know, my first experience with it was the CPS3 game, the, the Capcom fighter yeah. in the late 90s. That was probably the first time I really knew anything about it. Uh, yet, obviously... Uh, now knowing that that series has been around over three decades, you know, multiple um, sagas per se, 
And I do love the artwork. What is it? That Hirohiko Araki. Um, I have been collecting all of the hardbound English translated manga from Viz, which they've been doing the last four or five years now. Um, I will admit, I have while I've watched a couple episodes of the anime, um, I haven't gone down that road, and I don't think I'm going to actually collect the anime, partly due to the pricing and how picky I am with the actual animation. But the actual series itself, the content seems very accurate to the manga. But um, the only thing I've convinced myself, you know, I don't collect as many comics as I used to, but one of the very, very few that I do for collection purposes is JoJo. And on a side note, um, for those who have seen these beautiful hardbound renditions, this June, uh, if you can believe it or not, one more time, we're going to try it one more time, Viz will start to re-release from square one, hardbound, Fist of the North Star. Huh, I didn't know that. So I think the goal this time is to try and get through all of them this time for real. Hmm. But anyway, on the JoJo topic, yes, so I love the art. Uh, it's a very interesting series. It is amazing that it's been able to come here after so many issues over the years with uh, various names, legal issues, music-related references. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, a thumbs up. Uh, funny enough, to connect for our conversation, um, I have a, a sealed copy of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle on PS3. Oh, uh, that I was going to sell, and I'm glad I didn't sell now because it's going to be worth more. I have the I have the import of that. Yeah, uh, you have domestic or import? Domestic. Wow. Yes, which is which is decently rare. Um, I think uh, this is just how my memory works. I think that one was translated by Jeremy Blaustein, if I'm not mistaken. Who's I'm not sure. One? Yeah, I, I think it. I. Th- I think it was. Interesting. He's the gentleman that was the main translator behind the original Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to, yeah, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty confident. Yep. I, I don't, I don't remember where I came upon JoJo originally. I, I know that like Anthony Capcom's fighting game was one of the big sources for my knowledge early on. Um, and I will tell you that uh, on one of my trips to Japan, uh, me and one Mr. Nick Rocks uh, did try to go to a JoJo's bar, but it was closed. So that was a disappointment. He must have been heartbroken. Yeah, he, he was very heartbroken. Um, I, it's one of those, those series that I really should get around to because I'm sure I would like it, but I haven't. Just you haven't yet, you know. So um, it's it's funny though because the more you learn about JoJo's, the more you learn about the references that you didn't know were references. For example, Benny Maru from from King of Fighters. Oh, is 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 a reference. Uh, Rose from Street Fighter is a JoJo's reference. You know. So it's it's kind of like it's it's funny as you learn more about like classic anime, right? Then, then you you learn like, and Bison is is uh oh God what's what's he? Is it is it Keen Niku Man that he's referenced to like one of the enemies? In oh, that? I didn't realize something, that. Yeah, but I know what you mean because else. 
Speaking of Fist of the North Star, there were at least a couple characters there that it seemed that Street Fighter pulled from, including Relento, yeah. and I think a Zangief character. Yes, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, so it's it's funny, like, JoJo's one of those things, like, as you learn more about it, you're like, oh, wow, I can see this, this, this inspiration was from JoJo's, and this inspiration was from JoJo's and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a series I've always meant to get to, but I just haven't gotten to yet. You just jog my memory, if you don't mind me splicing this in real quick, talking about, like, influ- quote, influence. Um, did you see, I was going to send it to you, it was on my Twitter about a week ago, just one of many examples, the King of Fighters 94 Ikari Warriors team, the jungle theme, someone found it's like beat for beat, like some classic rock song from like the 60s or 70s. Huh. It was, no, and when I, I will, I will look, as a matter of fact, I'm, I feel guilty talking about it. Because I don't want anyone to go tattletale. But I mean, look, it was on Twitter. I will try and find it for you this weekend. I'm telling you, Molly, it is like beat for beat. Huh. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I didn't. You I know, and this is one of those things because of the power of the internet and how quick you can search stuff. And you got to figure 30, 40 years ago, who the hell is thinking of who's going to try and find this copyrighted work? It's like a finding a needle in a haystack. But another random example, it's like, Zangief's background stage in Street Fighter 2 is taken from like an old uh, classic scene from like a Chuck Norris fight oh, film. Oh, yeah, so- yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like dead on. It's, no, it's really funny. So like the, the, when you start digging into, especially kind of like those kind of classic Japanese games, like mm-hmm. how many things are references to something right. else and, and that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on right away. Right. Uh, before we get to our last email, since you mentioned SNK, I do have to ask you, Anthony. Um, have uh, have any of the recent KOF character reveals um, shattered your expectations <laughs> by chance? Well, it seems have your like expectations one, been shattered. It's it's if uh, if one character's and if we're talking about shattering clothing. No, you uh, know, actually, I was I. The the joke I'm making is actually Yashiro was the one who shattered my expectations because I was not expecting that team to come back. Um, obviously, obviously, Shermie is is a. You know what's funny? I saw Shermie and I saw Mai. Did they show Yashiro yet? Yeah, because he 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 was be. I think he was the one before Mai. Boy, either I'm forgetting or I I don't know how I missed him. So it was funny because I watched that trailer and I'm like. You know what, SNK? Finally, you have shattered my expectations. <laughs> I did not expect. I did not expect them coming back. I am happy. I am a huge, huge Shermie fan and player. Uh, so, conversations about her new outfit aside, I am very happy she's coming back. And and my expectations have at least twenty five point seven percent been shattered. So, I always thought it was a very cool looking team. Uh, the uh, the team from King of Fighters ninety seven, you know oh. Yashiro Shermie and yeah, I I've I think Chris I think Chris's outfit has always weirded me out. Mm. I think Chris is the problem. I like Yashiro. I don't play him, but I, I like him as a character design. Right. Uh, love Shermie. Chris is the weird the weird link in all that. 
I don't know. Yeah. Uh, finally, finally, um, an email about our favorite game in the world. Uh, and this comes from Tom. Okay, hey, what's up, Tom? It has been wonderful hearing from you two on what seems to be a more frequent basis. I can't tell you just how much I appreciate having your discussions both as a focus and with me in the background as I work. I have to say I'm digging the longer format, too. That's not intentional, but (laughs) but thank you for that. Uh, I, however, will try to be brief, and since I tend to go on and on. Usually I'm more than content to just sit back and listen to you uh, as you discuss topics of the day that pertain to our shared love of video games, but recently I've been coming to grips with a rather sad development. Namely, the slipshod production that ended up being the highly anticipated, at least for me, Balan Wonderland. Oh. I mean, what the hell happened? <laughs> at least old Balan looked like he was having fun doing his best night's impersonation in certain bonus stages, but I can't help but feel extraordinarily let down. I gave it a solid chance, I really did, but when it feels like the dev team was even more bored when making the game than I was horrified to play it well, that determination faded fast. I suppose this is leading to my main point that I wanted to put out there for both of you. Where have all the heroes gone? Yujinaka, Sakaguchi, Sueri, Yusuzuki, Iga, even to a lesser extent Hideo Kojima. The list goes on and on. Have the big names that we grew up with lost their edge? Is there any room for auteurs anymore in gaming? Or have studios and executives meddling reached critical mass? Or were they just all products? They all just products of their respective times and failed to keep up with the tech and flow of the industry? Do they even know what made their older creations so fantastic in the first place? I honestly have no idea. All I know is that I'm as a diehard fan as anyone, and I want to keep supporting those who have brought me so much joy throughout my life. But the disappointments are mounting, and it's, well, depressing. Anyway, sorry for my rambling. I hope this email finds you both well. I consider it quite a privilege to be able to speak with you both here and on Twitter. Thank you for uh, the time of your sh- take for taking the time out of your lives to produce uh, GVGP, a much needed respite. Stay safe, Tom. P.S. Thank you for bringing up the lackluster SNK artwork in their latest games. I really hope that they come up with something more original soon, or I might just sit this gen out altogether. Hmm. Well, uh, I want to thank Tom for that wonderful letter and kind words. It's always nice to hear from him. He's always just a pleasure to interact with. Um, uh, are you sick of hearing me, Gab? Do you want me to go first, and I'll try to keep it succinct? No, go ahead. I mean, it, it, so, it's, just, it's, just, I, I, it's funny. It's funny. I got to say that Anthony sent me a text, and he's like, they're pulling the Balan demo down. And it's one of those texts where, like, I'm like, that totally makes sense, but also cannot possibly be real. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So, going into this, let's just, let's just point out the fact that, like, they, they literally took the demo for the game down. For, for yeah, multiple I mean, reasons we can all think of, you know. But So, in short, I, I don't, it's not any one reason. It would be unfair to just say it's it's this is what it is. That's that's the reason for all this. 
and I don't know how to do this without getting too philosophical, and much of what I said just play on repeat from when I went off on that long tangent on my philosophy of like age when a person does their best work. So here's the thing. I'm not just going to beat up on Yuji Naka. We've already discussed the game, you know. But when you mention all those creators, just think of like, their heyday was probably their 20s, their 30s, let's say even into their early 40s. Yeah. Okay, I'm being generous. For the most part, and we're going to stereotype, and there's exceptions to every rule and all that kind of stuff to preface. You're not, you're not working in some ways. Like, those guys are working nonstop in their 20s, in their young days. You don't have the same energy you don't have that same drive and not be, not because you don't care or not because you don't want to work anymore we're getting into the whole physical aspect of the human body and then you learn how a business is and you're dealing with superiors and corporate nature these projects take years off their life like look at you mentioned Hideo Kojima and I do agree with Molly I know I was kind of harsh on him in our last talk do I think he's done and and he's been squeezed dry yet? No. I think he's still got some life in him. How much more? I don't know. And I feel bad talking about people like this. But these guys now, they're in their 50s, approaching 60. They're getting tired. I mean, no, but seriously, and I'm not making fun of them. Like, no, I know. It's... You look at some of these anime or these... We were talking about anime earlier. You look at some of these games. You read the old articles like sleeping in capsules, sleeping under the desk, doing this for months on end, meeting deadlines, learning new hardware. We're talking about PS3. Look at all the effort that went into Metal Gear Solid 4 on the PlayStation 3 hardware, which was having so many issues at the time. Like... I know what it's like at a job to have stressful days. I've been working my backside off for months uh, during this pandemic. Am I looking for a medal? No. But I know how I feel coming home at the end of the day. That's working nine plus hours a day, Monday to Friday. But I still get the weekends off and I still have evenings. And while it's not much, can you imagine doing 24 hours a day at the office, sleeping at the office, at that level to put something together that has to come together perfectly greater than a Hollywood movie. I mean, not only that, that's that's one element. Your thought process changes. The team changes. It's not just one person. Perspective changes. What's cool changes. How Whether it be how games are delivered there's so many factors that it's um it's amazing for those that still hang there in the industry it's amazing to appease the gamers of yesteryear as well as the new generation simultaneously with a product i mean i know i've said there's been a lot of maybe word vomit that's come out of me but uh, i mean look do you think there are many 60-year-olds out there anymore that know what's cool or what's no, what's going on on TikTok? 
I mean, ser- I mean, it might be a bad analogy, but seriously, like, and what I'm about to say, would I be much more interested in what Hideo Kojima puts out, or even someone the caliber of Yujinaka versus what maybe the Fortnite team is going to put out? Well, yeah. But it's also unfair for me to say that and dog Fortnite because there's a whole generation, for better or worse, that, you know, you've got your Minecraft players, you have your Fortnite players. It's it's a whole different philosophy. So, I mean, Balan Wonderland, and like if it was still the days of magazines, you could probably look at some still shots of that game, and I probably would have, and I, it, would st- it would be on my list, you know, until the reviews came out, maybe. But playing that game firsthand, uh, I mean, we've all done it. We've bought games that we want to like, that you you force yourself to like. But, um, you know, like Tom said, you know, he gave it a chance. He's gone through it, and it's it's bad. Where's Where's Dave when we need him to oh my tell us of why Belong is, is a great game? Uh, what, <clears throat> what do you think? You think 8 out of 10? It's <laughs> look, and here's the thing: we pick on Dave a lot, and Lord knows where I'm, he is. I, you know, I I miss his craziness. Here's the thing: I miss his craziness. Does he know games? Like, does or does he enjoy games and love gaming? Yes, that's see. This is the tough thing to wrap your head around. He's legit in that aspect. Like he he's not someone that doesn't pick up a controller or doesn't care about gaming. He does. And sometimes he hits the nail right on the head. There are sometimes there's perspectives he he looks at in a game, whether it's from an animation perspective or getting into the developer's mindset and expressing why they made certain decisions or what this game is supposed to portray. He will get angles out of someone that sheds light on the thought process. And I think it's very welcome and tries to cater or gear that game towards the right audience simultaneously you get other reviews that squeak through what golden axe cybermorph sonic 06 i mean you know there's certain things over each generation that come out and it's like wow you know but you know being a longtime fan to try and turn it maybe it's not the nicest thing to do but you know i would get my jollies at home laughing but with that said it didn't mean I never trusted a review out of him again. It's just that you'd have to keep things like that in mind and look at the perspective and the type of genre, you know, that he that he does like. Yeah, I think mean, the one thing, you know, um, and not not to sit here and defending him, but like I I think there was a difference. Like there was somebody um, I was looking through Resetera's uh, thread for Blonde Wonder Wonder World. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually where somebody mentioned Dave, and it's like, where's Dave at to review this? You know, really? Um, <laughs> there, there, there was a, an, a somebody in there who reviewed Blonde and genuinely re- really liked the game and was defending mm-hmm. it and and saying, "Look, I know why people might not like it, but I I do like it, and here's why. I I have respect for people who whose opinions I might think are totally crazy." But they're coming from a genuine place. Like, I, I, I have never known anybody who reviews who got paid to write a good review. I've never known anybody. 
Um, but I work at somewhere that had a controversy because uh, one of our previous staffers wrote an exceptionally good review about alien colonial marines, which was a terrible game in most regards, you know. And so people were sure that he got paid off. I I cannot say that Dave never got paid off. I don't know that. But he's the kind of person where I, I always felt like, even in his most insane opinions, I felt like they were always genuine. Like, his opinion on games might be a thousand miles away from mine, but I always felt like he was being honest and saying he liked a particular game. Uh, you know, so I think that's something, that's something that, like, I have to respect at least on some level. Um, but, so, okay. Real quick, I want to say, Death Stranding, I have thought more about that game than most other games of that generation. So, I have to give Kojima some credit on some level. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you think about that game, like, it left a huge impression with me. And most games don't do that, so that has to count for something. But I was going to say, this, this, this email made me think of George Lucas. And when I was a kid, I, I adored Star Wars. And George Lucas was like this, this, this kind of rock star to me, you know? And if you look at Star Wars, the original Star Wars, it was a, a small project of people just coming together and doing whatever they could do to make it work. And they didn't really have a big budget. They didn't have any kind of, of marketing push. They didn't have the studio wasn't really behind them. And there were no expectations on it, right? And Star Wars comes out and it's a huge hit. And everything just fell together. And then for the sequel, they had a, a lot more budget. They had actual marketing push. They had the studio was finally behind them. Um, they had expectations going on, but they also brought in the people that needed to come in to, to help George make it to be a good movie. And it is, many will say, the best Star Wars movie ever made. Empire Strikes Back. Third movie... Uh, agreed. Yeah. Third movie comes, uh, George has more money, more power, more backing, more support, more expectations, also more control. He's He's going to need to do more things his way. He's not having other people have to kind of come in and and give their opinions on stuff or, or, or put their spin on things. And you start to see not, I mean, it's still a decent movie, but you see some aspects where you're like, this isn't as good as the first two movies, right? Going to the prequels, George has all the money, all the power, all the sway, all the fan support, and he makes three movies his way, the way he wants to do them, nobody telling him no, and and we see three movies that I genuinely think are terrible. Mm. Not, I mean, I've certainly seen worse movies, right? But But they were a disappointment to me as a Star Wars fan, and I think they were not good movies. So, then you get the sequel trilogy, which I know George was not involved in, but the sequel trilogy then shows what happens when you don't have one singular vision doing it. You have a 
a gigantic company that is is controlling everything and they're they're the ones making decisions. So why I'm saying this is I think with some of these developers we've kind of put on pedestals is sometimes they were so good in our eyes because they had good people near them and they had people to to tell them what to to do more of and what to do less of and they had maybe smaller budgets which meant they had to get more creative in what they made now they did things but they also didn't have pressures from their company they didn't have pressures from fans and expectations and 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 sales numbers they had to hit and and all this kind of stuff you know so like making games now and making games back when these people were all making their early games is totally different. 30 years ago, over yeah. 30 years ago. And and you talked about age. That's a, that's a part of it. That's not all of it. And, and like, I mean, Yu Suzuki is an interesting case and Iga is an interesting case. And even kind of like Swery is an interesting case because some of those people have, have control on their own. But there's also like, when you were making games on the NES and the, the 8-bit and 16-bit consoles, like there was so much more room for, for exploration and, and, and trying new things. And there, there weren't the expectations because costs were so much cheaper when it came to making games and teams mm-hmm. were so much smaller. But you could just try things and see how they went. You know? So there's so much more now. And like... I almost, in a weird way, kind of respect Blonde Wonderworld because that feels like a game that Square Enix didn't touch. I don't know how. Because if Square Enix was overseeing that game and they let that game come out that way, that's crazy. Mm. Right? Like, if somebody at Square Enix was actually seeing this, overseeing this, they had to have been like, wait a minute, this game has so many issues that need to be fixed before it comes out. It feels like that kind of game us in the earlier days where you didn't have that 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 well, big company controlling everything. Let me ask you this, a game like that not to sound ignorant. That game still has to get play tested. I mean, I I, I know internally, I'm sure it's, you know, you got to work out bugs and all that. But do you think anyone outside of the team got to play test that like a traditional gamer? I mean, I would have to assume so. I mean, how, I mean, if you're a gamer and like maybe look, I'm not going to sit here and lie. If I'm sitting in the same room with Yuji Naka, uh, and I know it doesn't work like this, I mean, I'm not going to dog the guy to his face. But at the same time, like how I would word it would be like, hey, you know, if you don't mind me asking, you know, what's the thought process on this? You know, why does the character right. interact with the environment like this? You know. W- you know, there's a, try to put it maybe in a gingerly way, but like gamer to gamer, I mean, it takes you all of a minute to figure <laughs> out that the character does it's not it's not feeling right in, under right. modern standards on a full blown sixty dollar release. Right. And what I couldn't get out of my head, not that I heard it anywhere else, what I couldn't get out of my head after our conversation about it last time, it stuck in my head that you said was is it possible the long shot that it started out as a phone game right i mean i mean jesus i mean it's like you know the opposite end of the spectrum you play mario brothers you know right away oh this feels you, you know a lot of games 
Usually, first couple minutes, you can tell right away, odds are, it's gonna, you know, or Super Metroid, or, you know, whatever. Or Sonic! Yeah! Yeah! I don't get it. You play that game five, ten minutes, and it's like, how? How? But, you know, and and here's the thing is, I, I think, and I, I, I don't mean to compare Yuji Naka to this man, but I think if you look at Keiji Inafune, right? Oh, uh, yeah, but for a Mega Man fame. Yeah. Like, Naka, you know, if you look back at Naka's previous projects, like Sonic and Fantasy Star, um, he did online at least, right? Did he do the original Fantasy Star too? Ooh. I'm trying to remember. But, like, the thing is, is if you look at those teams, like, Naka was surrounded by some very talented other people as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to bring up George Lucas, because... You know, I, I think it was that you had other talent there to to lift the game up where maybe Ujinaka didn't have the talent. Or if he had some crazy ideas, you had the people around to say, that won't work, let's do this instead, you know? Um, so, like, I think, like, with Inafune, when you say oh, Inafune go out on his own and he was in control, like, look just how botched that ended up becoming, what? you know? Uh, I'm going to say something else. Am I crazy to think, I know if it's your own work, you can maybe get lost in your own work and, and not see what's truly going on. But if you're in the business for over three decades and you're being honest with yourself, look, Molly, most of the time, you know, like in life, you know when you work hard at something, you you put out a good piece of work and i would assume you also know like if there's a day where man i got like no sleep last night i i can't believe i whipped this together i'm not saying you've done this but i'm just speaking in general like i know this wasn't my best effort i gotta shape up but like you know what good work is and you know what bad work is even if you're playing that game yourself like you're on that team making balan you know, you know it's not going to work. But, but, you, you, again, to go back to George, if you watch the behind-the-scenes stuff for, like, Phantom Menace, for example, um, like, he, he seems to not have realized the problems with the movie until he literally sat down in the screening of the, the, the rough cut of like the movie. Like, when he watched it back, like, yes. as a whole? Yes. Uh, so I mean, there, there's questions of is is like yeah is like are people just not seeing the bigger picture? Are there not enough people saying you know this isn't good and it's not okay. working? I don't know why I keep bringing up Nintendo. I feel like I, I've sold out. I keep bringing up Nintendo, but like I've read behind the scenes stuff. Like when this stuff gets play tested, or like uh, I'm thinking it was supposed to be F Zero Two and it turned into Mario Kart. Okay, I know this is super random. But the team would play that at night and play against each other, and they knew immediately, like, because of the fun they were having and the natural competitiveness, like, look, can anything happen when a game comes out? Sure, nothing is a slam dunk. But you know naturally, like, who the hell was playing that having fun? Right? Nobody. Yeah, I, I feel no. like I feel like they clocked in, did some rendering, some computer work, clocked out, and 
I, I, I don't know. And put, you know, they put forth an effort or product, but like, there's no way anybody played that and was like, you know, it may not be a 10, but like, there's no way anyone thought that was going to sell even a, a few hundred thousand copies. But I mean, if you look at, if you think about Japanese hierarchy, you know, and, and how, well, how much it is like, the people okay. at the top are, are the kind of end-all, be-all of things. That's a different ball game, yes. Yeah, so explain this. Yes, but this I, is a different... You, you, you could have had, you know, this was, again, this wasn't Sega. This wasn't Sega where he had compatriots that also had a lot of talent in their own ways kind of balance things out. Like, you could have had a, a team of, of younger younger developers, younger programmers, younger artists and things that just never felt like they could speak you know, oh. out against that way, against Naka's opinions on things. They're and, superior. They're... Right. And so maybe it was the case that just people just thought they, they they couldn't say that. And maybe maybe Yuji Naka thought the game felt good and was, was good and fun and, and working the right way it should. You know, and maybe... Because, I mean, when, when he says that this is his one chance, right? Oh. Like... Like you have to think that he's putting a lot of effort into that game, and so to have Blonde turn out the way it is, like I have to think he thought it was good, right? <laughs> so, so is is the case that he's just like again, like George, like George Lucas, like shocked me. It's like does does he think this dialogue is good? Does he does he think these these camera angles? And people sitting on couches for the entire effing movie talking, like, does he think this is a good movie, you know? And and so that it just brings up the question of, like, how much was his talent versus how much was it other people Hmm. putting in their talent Hmm. to end up with a a better product? And to be fair, like, if looking at um, Tom's list, you know... Sakaguchi, I'm, I'm, I, I hate that his new game is a phone game because I really want to play it. It looks really cool, and it has some super interesting ideas. And I've heard nothing but good things about Lost Odyssey. I still need to play that. It's so funny you mention that. That game, I think visually, and that game was excellent. So, so I, 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 I think. Maybe what Sakaguchi wanted to do has changed, and he didn't want to do like kind of the big Final Fantasy stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. But no, that's that's what happened to um, oh god, uh, Final Fantasy twelve guy, Final Fantasy Tactics guy. People people know who I mean. The guy the guy who was originally doing Final Fantasy twelve and got burned out. Um, oh god, I'm I just can't do names when I do podcasts anymore. Uh, so, you know, like maybe Sakuchi was that kind of that kind of situation where it's like he just didn't want to do the big stuff anymore. Um Yu Suzuki, I have always questioned his talent, uh anyway. Mm-hmm. Um I I I think he too might be a great example of where once the restraints are off, like you go crazy with what you're doing. You know, versus a Kojima where as as out there as it was and as divisive as it was, I think Death Stranding is a fantastic game still, you know. And I think Kojima's kind of person that, that like when those restraints are off, either he listens enough to other people or he's got enough natural talent or whatever it is 
he still makes cool stuff. Whereas I think right. Yu Suzuki, I think the more freedom he got, the um, the more his weaknesses showed. I think uh, Iga, I I I think he's doing pretty do- pretty decently. You know, Blood Stain was was a hit. People people seem to love it. So I think that you know the, this list is there are different cases for everybody. You know, I think each one of these people has a different situation um, with with why they're not in the position they used to be in. Hmm. I, I will say this. Yeah, you know, Yu Suzuki is one of my favorites, but for him, I associate. Um, you know, definitely the 80s and 90s, the super scalar stuff and the early 3D polygonal, you know, the fighters. I think he was great up until, and when I say Shenmue, I'm not knocking Shenmue. Shenmue was great, but like, you know what I mean? Up until that, you know, I thought he was stellar. See, Suzuki has always bothered me because I, I just never got past that interview he did with, I think it was um, Next Generation. With where- Sarah Bryan on the cover? It might have been that issue. Yeah, the VF2, uh, the, she's like got her arms up. What, yeah. uh, remind me, what was your issue with the... Well, because he talked about the fact that he, he doesn't play video games. Oh, that's right. You did talk about this. Yeah, and it's just, it's just I'm, I'm never impressed or comfortable with video game creators who don't play video games. You know? Like, if, if you tell me I make, I make movies and I don't watch movies, you know... Mm-hmm. That that makes me wonder. Um, and I think that can be an interesting experiment, but I just I don't know. Like I think if you say you don't play games and you're proud of that, that yeah, means I, I that agree. You don't I, I'm in 100 percent agreement the, with you on that. Yeah, uh, you, I agree with you on that. You don't understand where games fail mm-hmm. or get things right, and and mm-hmm. that can bring an interesting outsider perspective, but. Yeah, I don't know. Especially for a game like Shenmue, like you, you should, you should be playing games that are like that, right? You know, you should be playing GTA's and Yakuza's and Sleeping Dogs mm-hmm. and whatever else, and and kind of know what your competition does, right? Well, well, we covered a lot of ground in this uh, episode. This is of a GBGP. very random, random episode, but it was interesting. Yeah, we got a. It's a, what is it? The potpourri. The yeah episode the goulash but um yeah so with that i believe i said it was episode 45 uh, it would be nice if i could remember i got my notes on the ground but episode 45 coming to a close here i want to thank molly for taking the time once again doing all the editing behind the scenes um the layering and thank you for her patience uh, so on behalf of molly and myself anthony and all the fans that continue to listen thank you so much And we'll catch you next time.